Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Are you searching for the best in online black radio? Then go to BlackTalkRadioNetwork.com. Helping you filter through the noise. Real talk. Black talk. The internet is full of half-truths and all-out lies. We've all seen them, and many people on social media complaining about it. Here's your chance to show and prove. WorldAfropedia.com is a black-owned and operated encyclopedia. There are several thousand articles, but we need help. We can't uncover all the truth ourselves. So please, join us and become a writer, editor, or blogger for WorldAfropedia.com today. Every little bit counts. We owe it to the future generations to put the truth out there. Visit worldafropedia.com, the African-centered encyclopedia, a global database of African knowledge for the purpose of bringing about global African wisdom and understanding. Worldafropedia.com. Why was she suspended? That's the question on people's minds when it comes to a reporter over at Channel 41. Former reporter uh, now, based on what she says happened, uh, stories out of the Kansas City Star. And we're talking about Lisa Benson, uh, a former reporter who was already suing Channel 41 for racial discrimination, contends she was fired for posting an article on her Facebook page about white privilege. Uh, Lisa Benson Cooper's case is pending in federal court, her discrimination case. While that plays out, uh, a Twitter thread is drawing attention to a May 7th article in The Guardian. It argues that white women play the role of victim whenever women of color assert themselves. The article is called How White Women Are Using Strategic Tears to Silence Women of Color. Uh, Ruby Hamad, who is on Twitter, at Ruby Hamad, R-U-B-Y-H-A-M-A-D, tweeted out on Monday... On May 9th, Lisa shared this piece I wrote for The Guardian about a common but only recently voiced phenomenon where women of color who raise issues about race and their mistreatment, especially at work, are punished by white women who claim the women of color is attacking them. Um, Ruby Hamad said two white female colleagues at Channel 41 saw the article on Benson's Facebook page and contacted HR. Uh, She said Benson was then suspended for making broad, unfair characterizations of white women as a group based on their race and gender. So Lisa Benson uh, posts on June 13th that she was no longer a reporter for 41 Action News. She followed on June 19th by saying she did not quit her job but was suspended for posting the Guardian piece. Uh, She writes, I want you to know I did not quit my job at 41 Action News, KSHB-TV. I was suspended for sharing a meme and a Guardian U.S. article on my personal Facebook page. 
and sub- subsequently was told I should not report to work for the duration of my contract. Um, so KSHB has denied the allegations of discrimination. The news director, Carrie Hoffman, said we can confirm in line with its contractual rights, KSHB did not renew Lisa Benson's contract. We cannot comment on pending litigation. We stand by our commitment to diversity and inclusion in our workplace. Um, so, again, we're we're sort of talking about two different things now or or – it appears maybe we are or maybe we're not, but the suit had already been filed. The racial discrimination suit had already been filed before this unfolded here because we had talked about it before. And then this happens. So then Lisa Benson shares the article out of The Guardian talking about white women and white women making it more difficult for women of color. And then she says she was suspended as a result um, and is no longer there. She said, I didn't quit. I was suspended. The suit Uh, which was moved to federal court from Jackson County Circuit Court, alleges that her race was constantly used in deciding where or what topics she would be reporting. Um, She said that she was consistently assigned to urban core stories and was once sent alone to an interview uh, with a member of the Ku Klux Klan. Uh, There were also, there was another uh, sports reporter, D. Jackson, who also sued the station this year for face discrimination, saying he had twice been passed over for sports director after being led to believe that he would get the job. I tried to to uh, read the, uh, the the shared story in the Guardian, and I I don't understand what was so offensive about it. And I, it, the headline is how white women use strategic tears to silence the women of color. And you can read it if you want to go check it out. This whole story is up on our Facebook page. But this again comes back to a question we sort of have sometimes: is what can and cannot be shared with? Well, this is a two-part question. What can and can't be shared on your own personal page? We talked about that dancer yesterday, the teacher who, who taught uh, pole dancing. Um, but this – I'm not saying that she was busted appropriately or inappropriately for sharing this story on her Facebook page. It makes me wonder, Did is this just a layer to – The you original know, complaint. Right. Yeah. Like yep. we we knew that she had a complaint about only being sent to stories in black parts of Kansas City, mm-hmm. you know, because she is a black woman. She they said, all right, let's see, uh, you know, you're going to go cover Olathe, you're going to cover that story out in Leewood, and uh, Lisa, you get the one at Twenty First in Indiana. Mm-hmm. You go cover that story, that crime scene. I feel like she probably was told because we've had we I think we talked about that story as a matter of fact because yeah. the odds are. If Mike Wickett shows up at Indiana and 21st to talk about a shooting, not a lot of people are going to talk to me. But there's a better chance that, you know, if Lisa Benson, a black woman, shows up at that part of town, that she's going to get four or five different people to give her quotes and cuts in their eyewitness report. Same can probably be said for some parts of Kansas City in the suburbs that if black Lisa Benson shows up or white Mike Wickett shows up, one of us might get more of a, uh, a welcome mat. Did they send her two stories that um, included people that were more like her because she is black or because she was the best person to go handle those stories because she was more likely to get people to talk to her? Was it because she was black or because she's the best fit for those kinds of stories? And I think when we talked about this last time, I I made the analogy, you know, Jim Cunningham in our newsroom has a a history as a police officer and has worked in emergency services. So there are some stories that because of that background, you want Jim on and, and is, and, and is there are just some stories that are better suited for different people. Now, 
it's different in this case because we're talking about race and that is a protected class in this country, whereas being a police officer or a former officer is not. You know what I mean? Yes. So that's why she could have a case. I mean, yeah, they're, they're like if there is a story about something going on in Leavenworth, <laughs> probably going to send me, you know, <laughs> as opposed to sending Lisa Benson. But maybe that's not right. Maybe you need to distribute those stories fairly amongst your entire staff um, because maybe there's a downside to consistently doing those kinds of stories. And, and, and she was concerned about that. But back to the original point, mm-hmm. um, you know, the story about and, and again. We only know her side of it right now. Yes. She's the one that spoke out um, on Facebook and said she was suspended for this reason. And Channel 41's not commenting on anything about, you know, about that other than just they reserve their right with her contract to do what they feel they can and, and did. So they're not – we don't know from Channel 41 what really happened. We only know her, her version of the story. Five seven six seven seven nine eight. Can you know you when you read this story and you've seen this one? She says she was suspended for sharing a Guardian story on white privilege. Does she have a case? Five seven six seven seven nine eight. You can couple that with the other half of the story as well uh, of Lisa Benson only getting sent out to different places in the city that um, where there are more African American people around in those parts of the of the city. Yeah, and again, the lawsuit we already knew about. The mm-hmm. lawsuit had been coming for a while. The new story is her saying, "I was suspended and no longer have my job because I shared this story on my personal Facebook page, or maybe it's a professional page, but on her page um, about out of the Guardian about white privilege." Five seven six seven seven nine eight. Should that cause you to be suspended, aka get fired? Halfway to the weekend, talking about Lisa Benson Cooper. She is a former reporter for Channel Forty One. Says she was suspended for sharing a Guardian story on white privilege. She had posted on Facebook uh, back on June thirteenth that she was no longer a reporter for Forty One Action News. She followed on June 19th by posting that she did not quit her job but was suspended for posting a Guardian article. Uh, She writes, hi, Facebook friends. Wow, thank you so much for your encouraging words and support. I truly appreciate it. I want you to know I did not quit my job at 41 Action News KSHB TV. I was suspended for sharing a meme and a Guardian U.S. article on my personal Facebook page and subsequently told I shall not report to work for the duration of my contract. (sighs) I, uh, Personal I Facebook page. It's her own Facebook page, right? But then again, I have known people in the entertainment industry. The you know this this particular industry. A guy I know, he was a, he's a hardcore Trump supporter, and he on his own personal page he was po- po- uh, posting all of this anti-Hillary stuff. Well, you have to realize that in the industry you're in, like you know, Jamie, you know how it is. You go out on the street, you are representing KMBZ. He happened to represent the radio station that you know that he was working at. He they they fired him. You know, what's they, wrong with the article though? What's wrong with this article? Yeah, that's that's what it comes back to a little bit for me is she shared it. She didn't comment on it. She just shared it for people to read. And what's wrong with the article? Uh, Other than and and here's where people may make the connection. She is suing for race discrimination, and so this you know is kind of, could be perceived as a passive aggressive way of commenting on her legal case but she just shared an article she shared an article when you put something on well okay most of the time if you share something on your facebook page or on instagram or on twitter or anything isn't that something that you are proud of most of the time no i think people in the media often share topics on facebook and stories on facebook to start a conversation not necessarily because you agree with it one way or the other we do this all the time 
We just post stories up there so that people can comment on it. But on my own personal page, if I'm going to put something up there, I'm maybe I'm different. I don't post anything on the Mike Wicket, my own personal page. I don't put anything up there politically. I don't put anything up there that's going to get people pissed. But you just said it's her personal page. Right. It's her personal page. Mm-hmm. So shouldn't she have a little more leeway on her personal page? I But again, that, that I think when you put something on your personal page, you're proud of it. You, you approve of it. Maybe. Some we people don't pro- know. We can so, only interpret that she shared it. Somebody might go the other way because they like stirring stuff up. But 576-7798. Robert, thanks for calling, bud. You're on KMBZ. Hey, how's it going this afternoon? Not bad. What's up? Hey, I was just uh, telling your uh, call screener, you know, I often wonder, like, watching local news, why there is always a black reporter in certain areas, you know, of the city, you know, when it, when it pertains in, in a black matter or whatever. And not to say that right, wrong, or indifferent, but I just often always wonder that. And, you know, and I'm a real big listener of talk radio. And so I have to wonder, even with you guys' radio station, there's no black opinion up and down you guys' radio channel. You know, I, I Do you hear, think there's something wrong with that? Oh, definitely. Because when, when if you only get, I'm not saying one side of the story, but opinions matter. Okay, so do you think only a black reporter can understand a story in a black neighborhood? Oh, no, 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 not at all. Okay, so then it's a, I'm, I'm not trying to put you on the spot, but... Um, if we don't have black hosts, then you would argue that if only a black reporter isn't the only one that can understand a story in a black neighborhood, no, then a I'm, white I'm talk show host. I'm, I'm saying, I'm saying from the news in Kansas City as talk radio, you have a lot of people that listen to talk radio, black, white, whatever. I often wonder when I listen to KMBZ Nine News, you know, your radio station. There's no black opinion on there whatsoever. Well, I would say that the next time a, you know, an opening comes up, you know, in the news department or as a talk show host or whatever, uh, you know, when we put the, like, radio's weird. Usually if they're going to fire one of us, we don't know. So the want ad isn't out there. It's in the radio boards and the radio trades and all of that kind of stuff. And it's who you know and that kind of thing. So you're not going to open up the paper in the classifieds and say wanted uh, midday host to work with female uh, talk show host. Uh, women and minorities encouraged to apply. Now, that, that generally is not is not going to happen. Luckily, we got Travis. Travis is here to provide all of the black perspective we need. And he sits silent. Yes. Thanks, Travis. <laughs> Travis. You're here. You're our black guy. We go to you for all things black. Yeah, no. (laughs) Last time that happened, someone says Travis doesn't speak for all of us, and I'm really glad I don't. (laughs) But it's all due respect to the call. It's you can't have it both ways. Um, You know, some could say a black reporter can more easily understand stories in a black neighborhood. But then others could say it doesn't the, – the, the race doesn't matter, that you and I as white talk show hosts could just as easily talk about problems in the black neighborhood as a black talk show host could. So which, which is it? Here's where I don't agree with that though because there's a lot of black people who didn't grow up in a black neighborhood. So not all black reporters know about what it's like being in a black neighborhood. And I, some I white don't. people did. I grew up in a white neighborhood, a poor white neighborhood, but I still grew up in a white neighborhood. Right. So if I was a reporter, there's no way I could – 
go out to a black neighborhood and relate on what they're going through. Travis, or what's, we, whatever's happening at the time. We're going to need you to go get the perspective on Prospect because you're black. I don't think it works that way. <laughs> I don't think so. Travis, you could probably do a better getting a better job getting the perspective in Overland Park <laughs> than you would on that side of town. Uh, Larry, you're on KMBZ. What's up, Larry? Well, it occurs to me that if she's not being allowed to work and she's still under contract, she's getting paid, I, I guess. If that's the case, that's sort of a signing bonus. So if she's smart, she'll redo her resume, start looking, and when she gets another job, she could have packed away a whole lot of money from a lesson learned. We don't know what her contract says. We don't know if she's being paid for the length of her contract. Contracts work differently. Some people in this building would get that benefit. Others would not. So I don't know exactly what her contract says. Thanks for the phone call, Larry. We appreciate it. It's up on her Facebook page. Uh, it's an interesting conversation going on on her Facebook page when it comes to white privilege. As you would expect, that's that's the focal point of all of this. Uh, go to our Facebook page and check it out. Facebook.com slash 981KMBZ. Uh, coming up, we, we got the news of Molly Tibbetts and her killer allegedly uh but we'll get to that coming up as well a lot of stuff still to come here on 98.1 kmbz context of white supremacy gusty renegade in for another broadcast hopefully to share constructive information on the system of white supremacy today's date thursday september 6th 2018 so i have been told I've talked before over the decade that we've been broadcasting about sequencing, great illustration of sequencing. They're talking about black female journalists, workplace racism, shares the support on white terrorism in the workplace, is punished on the job. They talk about that and then they transition to white woman killed by non-white immigrant sequencing before we get to workplace racism i just want to make sure that we stamp the date appropriately so september 6 2018 burt reynolds dies all these movies are supposed to be important they say burt reynolds dies today the movie that they mentioned at least when i checked most recently the movie that had the most mentions on twitter that was mentioned immediately when he passed, Deliverance, talking about suspected race soldier, Burt Reynolds. This film, viewed as a classic, I suspect strongly it's on like the IMDb top 100 uh, films all time. Maybe top 200, but I would think top 100. Classic, whites say. One of the <laughs> historic, I don't even know what to call it. Uh, scenes in the movie unforgettable for sure one white man anally rapes another white man during the rape the white sodomist demands that the white man being raped squeal like a pig that is white culture that's what they were mourning the loss of Burt Reynolds. Let's sit around and watch Deliverance. See, remember that scene where he's context of white supremacy. All right. So workplace racism back to normal business. 
if we have any listeners anywhere in the world who have figured out a counter racist code uh, where you minimize problems in the workplace with whites, non-whites, uh, you get your promotions, you get all your raises, on-time bonuses, no difficulties. If you need a day off, you need a vacation. All the horror days are coming up. If you want to take all of December off, no problem. Catch you all in 2019. If you have figured out how to do that with no issues, you don't get accused of anything, you post whatever you want on your Facebook page. Dial in and let us know how you were able to accomplish this. We will emulate, hopefully, what you have done. The number 641 715 Four zero. Decode five six four nine four three pound. Press star six one if you would like to participate. Number again six four one seven one five three six four zero. The code five six four. Nine four three pound. Press star six one if you would like to participate. Certainly, if we have folks, if you are having any sort of problems, difficulties in the workplace, as always, dial in. We will try to offer constructive counter racist suggestions to help you uh, think about what's happening and, and perhaps uh, ways that you can solve that problem without creating new problems. I uh, also wanted to say there have been some issues with uh, the upload to iTunes. Again, seems like it's been a recurrent problem for most of the year, most of the 10 years, really. Uh, but recurrent problem uploading to iTunes, I think like the last three programs are not there, uh, which would include the first study session for Black Love is a Revolutionary Act, session two tomorrow. All of that content is available at Black Talk Radio Network via the archives. The program that we did Monday uh, as well with Jasmine Iona Brown right here in Seattle. Uh, all of that content is at SoundCloud. Uh, I uploaded the links to that as well. I think Mr. Fox even picked up uh, that content and has it at YouTube. So hopefully the iTunes situation will be corrected shortly. And in the meantime, the archives are read readily available in a myriad of other locations. As I said, Jasmine Iona Brown, I wanted to also make sure that I got in the update Black female artist here in Seattle. She was on the program Monday. She talked about her artwork. She had exhibited in various locations in Capitol Hill where Gusty Renegade is temporarily residing due to the flood. And the artwork was of her black teenage son reading uh, a book. And it was defaced, repeatedly vandalized. They chopped the hair off, the head off, all the, you know, white culture. So I took a stroll in Capitol Hill to see if I could find any of these decals, and I did locate one not very far from my uh, residence. It actually, it took me two strolls to locate one of the decals, and I only saw one walking up and down 12th Street uh, on Capitol Hill. The interesting thing was, and there are a lot of decals. I mentioned this when we had Miss Brown on the program uh, Monday. Capitol Hill is... Uh, <laughs> kind of a bohemian area. This is kind of the gay mecca 
of Seattle and its uh, college area. There's a community college here, lots of things going on. So they have lots of posters and artwork and all of that uh, in this area anyway. This particular decal, which is pretty large, it's about four feet uh, tall, this particular piece of artwork, it's not on the front of the building, at least not the building that I saw, the restaurant. It's on the side. It was unmolested. The decal that I saw, nothing had been done to it. No graffiti, nothing unsightly, totally left alone. However, I think some of that may be because of its inconspicuous location. If you weren't looking for it, and uh, there's not lots of light, I suspect you probably wouldn't see it. You literally have to walk on the side of the building restaurant to see it. The front door, you know, is not there. There's nothing. There's no reason for you to be on the side of this establishment. So did want to get that in. I did find a decal. It was un unmolested, but it was not uh, prominently featured. Many people emailed. Make sure I get that in as well. If you have commentary and you're not able to call, you can always drop an email until justice at gmail.com. Until justice at gmail.com. And we can read your commentary on the air. Many people wrote in already today, so I'll try to make sure I get in everybody's uh, written commentary before we conclude. Before I get to that, the audio segment that we heard about the journalist uh, who... I guess had these problems for sharing something on her personal Facebook page. We talked about this a few times before. Mr. Reed gave out suggestions on how you can deny access to the content on your page. You've had other folks who said, hey, you can trash the accounts uh, altogether. You shouldn't be friends with your you know, pals uh, on social media anyway. All of that, I think, is important. I thought even within that segment, I thought it was extremely tacky uh, and most likely a direct act of white terrorism. The way that the white hosts uh, went to Travis as their token go to black person. Uh, and I thought that that was when we talked before about avoiding questions, uh, I think a few weeks back from the Harvard Business Review. Humor was one to insert a joke. I think that may have been an illustration because the caller was making a significant point. You don't have any in black uh, black employees on your radio staff who come in. They have a show. They can give their perspective uh, on things. That's a legitimate problem. Also, an act of racism, white supremacy uh, from a radio station in Michael Brown Jr.'s Missouri. They shift it to their joke, ha ha he he about our token Negro Travis, who comes in to make like a few awkward statements and then goes mute. And then they switch to, well, you can't have it both ways now. You can't say that, you know, you don't want the black person always stuck covering the black stories and then say that everybody uh, is informed and, and can study and only say the black person can do this. You can't have it both ways. What he was saying was you don't have any black people at all. It's not about, you know, whether or not a black person should always be sent to the black neighborhoods or whether anybody can. That's not that's totally separate and unrelated to you don't have any black people employed there at all, regardless of whether or not I relate to them or what have you. That is, you know, totally separate economic terrorism. Uh, and they shifted the conversation away from that in a very skilled manner, I thought, uh, with the. We've talked a lot about the social media before. I think we've given out a lot of uh, tips. So, oh, 
the other point that I want to make sure that I got, I uh, didn't forget because we have talked about the social media aspect. When they were talking about the lack of Negras being employed at their station, uh, and they said, oh, well, it's lots of who, you know, networking. It's not going to be advertised. Uh, hey, women, minorities, that word again, minorities, come apply. That is a total lie. Caller in Florida can substantiate. I saw what they sent out from his job. They do send out commentary that says that exactly. And in that one, they were calling out especially white women. It wasn't even we want Negras or minorities. It was white women. Please come work here. We don't want to hire the Negras. We don't want to hire any of these dark people. White women, please come and work down at the courthouse. It'll be great. We'll tell Negra jokes. That was basically what they were saying in the flyer. So they do make it that explicit at times when it's to their benefit. They just don't want to hide any Negras in Michael Brown Jr.'s Missouri at this particular radio station. Just come out and say that. Don't make a whole lot of uh, nonsense excuses. And even what he said, that right there is racism. If these jobs aren't advertised publicly and it's about who you know, whites choose to exclude. They don't want to know Negras in a professional setting when it's about promotion and advancing your career in broadcasting or whatever it else it happens to be, that right there is racism, white supremacy. Getting to the folks who dialed in, or excuse me, the uh, folks who wrote in, I think I'm going to try to do one right now, maybe two, depending on the length, and I'll kind of sprinkle in the rest as we proceed. Okay, let's see. Oh, okay. This is not really. Oh, yeah. This is not really. That's one I can skip. Thank goodness. Lots, lots today. That's one that's not really a problem. All right. Uh, my job hired this LGBT white woman right on cue. And since she started, she's constantly downplayed racist actions. She will notice my supervisor being blatantly racist to a black client and immediately go on the defense and gaslight the client. Then she starts to compare her plight as an LGBT person with the black client. I reported workplace harassment to my corporate HR. I wanted to report the racism, discrimination I'm dealing with as well, but I wasn't too confident talking to another white person about the racist actions of a white person. Knowing history, they stick together, Voltron, and my claim would go nowhere if I did. The HR manager tried to set up a phone interview about the harassment, but I told her I do not trust her or the company and would rather communicate via email. I can upload and scan the documentation if needed. I haven't gotten a response yet, but I know they sent an email to my supervisor as I noticed them. I guess you can say panicking and being proactive. That is the key word, uh, in my opinion. Uh, The second P word, not panicking. If you're in a position of power, you generally don't have to panic. You can be proactive, even preemptive frequently, but certainly proactive. They immediately emailed everyone the Code of Conduct Handbook, uh uh-oh, and sent a couple more emails on harassment in general. This was after they were called in for a meeting. I'm not sure if I'm handling this. I'm not sure I'm handling this the absolute correct way, but suggestions would be good to hear. Uh, Let's see. The 
it's uh, I guess I'm looking at this as two different situations. So the situation with the suspected racist LGBT white woman and then uh, harassment, which seems like it's a separate incident from this situation. I might be wrong. Uh, what I would recommend in terms of verbiage, I do not encourage the use of the term uh, harassment. Uh, I think we've talked about a lot of different terms in the workplace, uh, abuse, misconduct, incorrect behavior, subversive behavior, a whole list. Uh, I would generally move away from the term uh, harassment, unless you're going to attach sexual harassment. That's, I think, one time that I would be all right with that one. Um, let's see. I think also with uh, HR, I guess my question would be exactly what you would like done. I think that's always good, too, to think of how you would like the situation resolved. Obviously, you're not in the most powerful we are not in the most powerful position. Uh, so it might not necessarily go the way that you would like, but at least have in mind what you would like to see happen. And then the person am I talking to, do they have the ability to make that happen the way that I would like the situation to be resolved uh, and try to get so that you're talking to an individual. And that's generally going to be someone classified as white uh, who has the ability to resolve the situation in the manner that you would like it to be resolved. Um, but yeah, I guess, you know, depending on what you, what you want to happen and it, it like, to me, it seems like it's probably what you reported. The misconduct that you reported is probably separate from the LGBT white woman and all that she's doing in that situation, since it's somebody else, that's, the, that's a situation where questions uh, might be good. Uh, to ask in that situation. I don't know if you were involved, uh, but if that's type of thing is going on where you have a black client, no less, if this person is suggesting that they are a victim of racism or that racism is being practiced against them in any way, absolutely asking questions to support or to further investigate, clarify, reveal truth uh, about what they are reporting, which is, you know, probably most assuredly true uh, if they are a black person and even sounding like they're saying that racism is practiced against them, probably is being so practiced against them. Uh, with that, uh, I will stop. There are a plethora of other emails to share. Uh, so I will, as I said, I'll read them as we proceed. Uh, if other folks are listening and you're not able to call in, you can email until justice at gmail.com and I will read if you have uh, your own situation or if you have commentary, your own suggestions uh, on what you've heard from listeners. Uh, folks who dialed in the number 641-715-3640, the code 564-943-POUND, press star 61 if you would like to participate. Uh, first few folks who dialed in, line should be open if you have your own situation. Uh, we did have a person who wrote in who asked for suggestions. Uh, so if we have any folks who have suggestions about, uh, I guess, the, uh, I guess, the either part, I guess, the LGBT white woman and then the reports of misconduct being reported to HR and then they updated the handbook. That's another thing. If they sent out the handbook, I would check it just to see if they changed any policies uh, because you were saying that they were being proactive and it looked like they might have been meeting to scheme 
they might have changed something in the policy. It might be good to check that out, especially the section if they have any sections that deal with uh, harassment or mistreatment on the job. I would make sure that you uh, check the handbook yourself and see if there there are any policies that deal specifically with your situation and any of the incorrect behavior that you are observing uh, or being subjected to. Make sure that you check the handbook to see if there are any statutes that deal specifically with your situation. Uh, with that, first few folks who dialed in, if you have a hand up, uh, line should be open. If you have suggestions or your own situation, uh, proceed. Folks are spectating. There are a number of hands open. No spectating, please. This is definitely not, I forgot to preface, this is certainly not a broadcast for spectating. Uh, I'm sure they're having ceremonies. If we have folks who want to mourn the passing of Mr. Reynolds, I think football season, yes, football season started. The Seahawks are right here uh, across the street here. Uh, football season started. You have a number of options. Uh, if you need Can I be heard? Yes, ma'am. Okay. I'm taking my tongue laughing. Um, this is Codified Software Developer in Wisconsin. Can you hear me, Gus? Yes, ma'am. Okay. What What was the question? That's That's why I didn't speak up. I didn't hear the question right away. Uh, well, it was the normal if you have commentary, but uh, the person that I just, uh, the email that I just read, they were uh, just open to suggestions. Uh, if folks had any input for how they were handling their situation on the job, they made a report to HR uh, about, uh, they said harassment, but they didn't go into detail. They mentioned an anecdote about a black client uh, who was, it sounded like talking about racism and a white woman began to deflect and, you know, oh, it's not racism. It's something else. And, you know, I'm gay. So I know the same thing where, you know, comrades at arms or whatever. Uh, so she presented that and then her uh, saying that she reported to HR. And then after her report, the whites came back and were handing out the HR menu or the uh, the company handbook and all of that. So she was just asking for suggestions on how she dealt with that situation. If you all have any tips on that or your own commentary, that's what I, that was the uh, prompt before I went to callers. Okay. I'll have to think on that one. Um, hmm. Yeah, I'll have to think on that one for <laughs> for a couple of minutes. Um, as far as, as my commentary, did you get the email I sent you, Gus, with the picture of the uh, so-called Hispanic female? Oh, I think I, let's see. Let's see. I'm looking, checking my email again here. Oh, I did. I just want to pull it up. I did. I want to pull it up just so that I can have her picture in my in front of my face right now. Okay. This is from last week when we were talking about this uh, codified software developer. She was saying that this individual on the job, racially ambiguous, perhaps she uh, she made like a proclamation of her whiteness uh, while they were having a discussion about racism on the job. And she said uh, that she did not think that this person was white, but she did state her, you know, hey, I am a white woman. So she sent me a picture so I can see what this person looks like. 
Right. So now, what was your thought on that? Wow. Uh, okay, I have it in front of me right now. <laughs> Whew. Uh, she says she's white, suspected race soldier. Yeah, that's what I think, too. Um, now, did you see my commentary about the white male below that they treated like a nigger? Briefly. Oh, yep, yep, yep. Got it right here. Yeah. Um, so I just, for the uh, callers and listeners, uh, just a, a quick anecdote about these sort of racially ambiguous people. Um, sometimes, um, it's kind of funny, but sometimes <laughs> these racially ambiguous people aren't treated like they're white. And in this situation, this white male uh, claims to be Canadian, French Canadian and Sicilian is actually pretty, he has enough melanin where you would think that he was not white. Um, he seems that, you know, in the words of, uh, uh, what's that race soldier's name, uh, the wheat money. In the words of her, you know, he has a summer color and a winter color, so to speak. And uh, he was, uh, he was, his boss quit and went to a new job. And he was given the task of being an interim manager. And he was telling me, oh, you know, I think I'm going to be promoted. I know I'm going to be promoted. And I was just like, mm-hmm. And then, of course, they have, they promoted uh, another white male uh, above him, a, a not racially ambiguous white male, but definite white male. So I, I just thought that was funny. Um, I really don't have any commentary. I was just on to answer questions. But I'll mute my line for now. And if anybody, if I can help out, I will. Thanks. The infamous Crystal Tyler summer color the wheat money that's the book that she wrote she we met her she was down in michael brown jr's ferguson about this time four years ago promoting the wheat money uh the second individual he looks to me at least a little less ambiguous at least in this photograph uh the first person i could certainly see how you know if depending on what time of the year it is how much sun is she had like you know i could certainly I could certainly see a greater uh, a greater question mark with her, but you said whites were dead. Again, to me, this would just, again, uh, solidifies that I've said what I've seen. Whites, they are very discerning uh, about whom they accept as white. Uh, and I mean, being very, very critical, being able to pick out things that I'm just not as good at. I am a Negro victim of white supremacy, but I make a lot of errors uh, with racial classifications. Tends to be people like these where I would think that they're white and a race soldier would come in to know. Absolutely not. They might not be Negros, but no, they are not white either. Uh, other folks that we have not heard from, if you have suggestion, if the person who wrote that email about the HR situation, if you have additional details, that might be helpful because I don't really know what where we don't really know what uh, harassment you are dealing with. Uh, so that might help people be uh, be able to give better suggestions for your situation. Other folks we've not heard from.
one more question, Gus, while everybody's so quiet. Uh, did you read the um, the non-white, non-black male, um, his Glassdoor review? His gla- His what is it now? Which I linked. His Glassdoor review of the of of the company I work for, which I linked in the. Oh, this is it. Oh, I see it. I see it. I had not read it, but I'm clicking it right now. Okay. No, I'm just curious what you thought about that. That's all. It's not a big deal. Just curious. Okay. I have it in front of me. I will share commentary once I've had a moment to read it. I didn't know what I was looking at here. Thank you. May I be heard? Yes, ma'am. We can hear you. Hello, thank you for allowing me to share. Hello, everyone. Um, this is Red in Nevada. Uh, I had a couple of observations this week. Um, the first one uh, being there was this uh, non-white person at um, the plantation that I work for, and they had invited people over their house, um, like after work, um, both non-white and white and apparently um there were most um the thing after like i guess it was over the weekend and uh, i was one of the people who was invited but uh, it was kind of like a um the person had already said what they were going to be cooking and maybe if people wanted to bring stuff stuff like that and i'm like since i'm really you know strict on what i eat like I'm not going to bring over food for other people to eat, and plus, also in my spare time, hang around suspected white supremacists. So uh, the the non-white person, she kind of got mad at the the black people that were invited because she said that um, only the white people came. And I thought to myself, I'm like, well, they probably went over your house to you know do like you know kind of like a recon mission to to kind of figure out, okay, well, what, you know, how are you actually living in this and the other? So I just thought that that was interesting how, you know, and even hearing from some, like, you know, other victims, you know, non-white, non-black victims who, you know, might have been invited or whatever. I was like, no, we don't really, you know, hang out or bring our families around people who we don't really know. So I just thought that that was interesting and a very smart thing um, to, to do because you don't want to have people kind of know how you are outside of the plantation. Uh, the other thing was a a white woman theme of the day um, had said they were talking about, um, and they brought it up themselves, they were talking about uh, like entertainers, black entertainers, and how come they can afford so many different things if, you know, if their credit is bad and uh, they murder people. I'm like, how do you, how do you know that they, they murder people? And you're like, oh, well, you know, some of them, they actually, you know, different entertainers, you know, singers and rappers, and, you know, maybe like not the, you know, basketball players or whatever, they don't talk about it, but, you know, the rappers do. And, you know, just kind of stand in the question lane and then, um, you know, try to figure out, okay, this is supposed to be one of the, the, the white women who is supposed to be nice and is constantly talkative and, you know, good, saying good morning every day. And so I just thought that that was interesting how they can hide their racism and, you know, saying all this behind a smile. Um, and I guess the, uh, yeah, I guess that was it. That's it for this week. Um, thank you for allowing me to share.
I will say my code. I hope people do not take this as me uh, contradicting myself. <clears throat> my code is, has been for some time. Be serious in the workplace. Not a time for joking around. You should be. I think I said that last week repeatedly. Be, a, be known for being a stickler for the rules. Being serious. I'm not here to hee-haw and, you know, laugh it up with you all. Black people or, you know, whites on the job. <clears throat> that said, that set of... uh questions or statements I guess she was making that the black uh, entertainers or rappers or whatever it is snort crack and kill people and have bad credits and have bad credit and buy all these you know crazy things with their money Um, that might have been an opportunity where I would have given my one liner I blame Bill Cosby and just go on about my my work but be serious in the workplace. Uh, I think the standard code to stick to is number one, you don't have to say anything at all uh, when whites are there. You don't have to go digging to try to think of a question or do it. In fact, that is a golden opportunity to give them a fuller, hmm, right out of the word guide and continue with your day. Even if you want to bust out your pen and pad and write down niggers, waste money, bad credit, kill everybody. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then go right. That's not nothing required to be said at all. That works beautifully. Like I said, now I am feeling a little silly sometimes. Last few days of summer, you want to get your one liner in. Fine, continue rolling. But that is, you know, neither here nor there. The serious, consistent code. Nothing need be said at all. You can ask a question, but uh i thought also with the rendezvous situation is this one where you did you feel like there might be any repercussions cuz we've talked about that before as well uh for you not attending this after hours soiree um i no i don't think there are any repercussions now uh, outside of the fact of you know trying to minimize contact to minimize conflict i know that the the individual is you know definitely displaying some type of attitude towards me, but um, outside of that, no, and it's not someone who, um, at least for directly, would be able to affect the couple of nickels that I get. Uh, but thank you. I'll meet my line. Right on. Great use of food, too, or uh, diet, food, whatever it is, uh, for those situations that, you know, I have really uh, strict diet needs or food allergies, however you need to phrase it. You know, I can't just, you know, trust my health uh, to any old thing that people put together in the kitchen, I have to be really, really disciplined about what I eat and how my food is prepared. So I can't participate in that. That should be one that you can just, boop, no questions asked. And and you can use that repeatedly because that'll get you out every time there's any sort of potluck or we're, we're all supposed to be bringing vittles uh, to eat together. Oh man, I got uh, gluten issues, uh, wheat issues, peanut allergies. So I mean, you can just list them all. I got a bunch of them. I uh, can't do any of that stuff. I'm on a diet trying to get a few pounds uh, off. I'm, I'm doing the uh, the keto diet. Make up whatever you need to. Can't do it. Sorry. Be with you in spirit. Uh, that was interesting that it was only white people who showed up as well. It seems because I have even when we did uh, teacher training, they were doing something similar, a potluck, and they were going to a person's house and myself and the only other black person in teacher training 
we were talking about this and she said, I don't think she's familiar with counter racism or Mr. Fuller, but she said, uh, I don't think black people do that. Just trust eating from white people like that. I don't, I don't think black people get down like that. And I was like, that is great. Outstanding. We can keep that as part of the black code. Uh, other folks that we have not heard from, if you have a hand up, line should be open. Proceed. Can I be heard? Wowzers. Uh, heard quite a few folks. Uh, we will get Thomas in New York first. Thank you, Gus. Um, thanks to all the other callers. I think I did hear a female, though, Gus. Um, really? Really? Was there a female? Yes, I did. It was such a cacophony of sound. Yeah, I thought I heard three voices, another male and a female. But um, just wanted to say um, great show so far. Um, you know, get into work, racism, um, on the train. When, uh, I'm on the first stop, so I generally have no problem getting a seat on the train, and I usually get the seat I want, which is usually a corner seat. So, um, you know, I have open space on one side of me and another seat next to me. So only one person can, you know, squeeze next to me. Um, the trains on the line that I live in, um, the three train line, um, they were made in Japan. So they, they were made for much narrower people than, um, you know, the people that ride the trains in the United States. So, um, you know, it's, it's not, um, the seats are kind of perforated for one person, but, you know, you kind of hang off the side, which is another reason why I like to get the corner seat because um, I'm able to create more space uh, for other people, you know, if I'm on the, the end because my, my shoulder and everything goes, you know, over. Either way, um, we're on the train. And, um, you know, to, as, as the train starts to get crowded, and as you know, this week school started in New York. Um, I saw a white person, a white lady, getting on the train with two white children. Um, and they were probably seven, eight, you know. And um, I don't give up my seat in the white people. That's just you know, a code I have. Um, you know, a, a black woman or, you know, a person classified as black, a woman or, or pregnant or, you know, an elderly person without a problem. But if I see um, really any non-people um, non, classified as black, I'm not getting up the seat for because I don't see them do the same for our people. Um, so this black woman, she, you know, saw them, and she was sitting across from me, and um, she stood up, and then she, you know, this isn't the first time it's happened to me. She asked me to stand up so that the other kid, child, could sit. You know, she was going to let one sit in her seat, and I said, I don't believe in teaching them that I had this this early, what black people are supposed to give up seats to them. So the white woman immediately like, oh, she kind of, she you know, let me get away from him. So, um, the, you know, no, that's a white lady. You know, she told the black lady to sit down and, um, you know, she walked in, you know, um, none of the white people got up for her. She stood there and they held on to the pole, like I thought. Um, also, uh, also on the train, this is the other one. I'm on the train and um, I'm couldn't get a corner seat because, like I said, school started. So when I got to the train, it was already very crowded. So I was in the middle. 
And, um, you know, next to me was a, you know, an empty seat. And then next to that was a, a lady who was um, quite heavy set, a black woman. And um, she, you know, you know, we was just riding trains. When we get to a certain spot where the white people get on the train, um, you know, once they get out of Harlem, it's like a flood of white people. Um, you know, and they often piss because we got all the seats. Um, so um, this white male, he decided he was going to try to squeeze in between herself and I, which is it was impossible. And um, I decided I wasn't going to, I was going to ignore him and just stay right where I was, and he wasn't going to be able to get there anywhere. But she said, there's no way you're going to fit in here, so, you know, she was very respectful. And he um, calls her a few names, and, you know, you're taking up too many states, and then, and then, and then, and And, you know, that he kept looking like trying to find an angle to get in there. And then he did something really disgusting, which was just sit there with his mouth open, you know, just let drool come out of his mouth, you know, and so I had to move my leg, you know, because either way, when the train got off on um, Times Square, where most people were getting off to go to work, um, I get up, the lady has to get up as well. He wouldn't move, so neither one of us could stand because he's standing over us, and I guess he was so pissed that he couldn't get a seat that he was going to stand in. So, um, you know, I broke my cold for a second, and I um, kicked him in his kneecap, and um, he went, you know, falling, and I, you know, got up and walked off the train. Um, another incident that happened, um, the white French woman at work, um, becoming very, um, well, you know, she's very touchy-feely. So I said to her, you know, I don't, you know, feel comfortable out, you know, you're in my space. And um, I don't like being touched. And she said, oh, that's just a French thing when she walks off. Um, and this accent, this queen, that French, yes. I'm starting to get that wild. And the, um, the perfume, you know, it's, uh, you know, I, I can't stand French people. Of all white people, to me, they're the worst because they're just the weakest white people. And, I, you know, I can't stand some weak white people. So either way, the, she, you know, comes over and, you know, now she's, place the kitchen as I'm cutting fruit, which I can't stand. And uh, I would, you know, generally leave and, you know, the person gets the, the hint that, oh, he's not going to do any of his work until I leave. And, you know, they don't want the, the big lady to come around and see that they're hindering me from doing my job. So either way, she got reprimanded for, you know, because, um, you know, as I'm cutting fruit and trying to get from one side to the next side to get another tray, I'm bumping into her and it's and she keeps spilling stuff. It's like, it's just an annoyance. So um, she was reprimanded by, what, what are you doing here? You know, um, type of, you know, he's doing his job. You go back to your desk and the food is ready. You get an email. You know, you know, now you got an Irish accent talking to a French accent. It's just too European. So either way, um, last thing I'm going to add, uh, as I expected, I think I told you last week, I uh, Lifted the faucet up and the handle came off. Did I tell you that? Did that happen, Gus? Oh, yeah. They were trying to blame you for it. Is that is that it? So here I go Friday. Um, get up. You know, doing my job. You know. And here she comes in and gives me a tutorial on how to use a faucet. So, you know, I was already um, pissed at her that day. I can't even remember 
what happened that had me in the mood that I was in, but I was already in a mood dealing with her. So, um, you know, I told her, listen, I said, I come from this country. We always have forces in my house. I know how to use a force. Mind you, you know, I, I was hoping she took it as offended as she did, so she just walked away sucking her teeth. So, you know, she's from Ireland. They ain't got no forces. It's a third world country. So I beat my line. Thank you, Josh. Oof, man. If they cannot get black people training for anything, but all of a sudden we have tutorials for proper faucet use. Wow. Context of white supremacy. Incidentally, New York is awful. I have been to New York many times before, but because of that and then the repeated stories, that is exactly why the cow's yoga retreat cannot be in New York City. I mean, anyway, uh, the whole commute to work is wretched uh, and designed to be so for lots of black people. They had uh, specific reports talking about that in different parts of the world, how they were uh, displacing black people further and further from where they were from their places of employment. See, there was either really long commutes, taking three buses or really long drives or being on the train, just all kinds of zaniness uh, for employment. Uh, the white woman, uh, I think any any effective workplace counter racist code has to have like a confident response for any sort of encroachment on your personal space like that is uh, just mandatory. Uh, black self-respect, whatever you say, whatever you do. We've had a lot of people who've given great suggestions over the years, but I always think that is uh, phenomenal. Really be vocal uh, and present, confident in protecting your personal space, white man or white woman. Uh, if they're touching or anything, any of the excuse, like, hey, hey, I do not wish to be touched, whatever it is. Uh, I'm, you know, just trying to get things done. We don't need any unnecessary pawing, molesting. That's one where words can be very effective, but practicing them at home or whatever you need to do. Uh, if there was a female voice that spoke up before that we missed, you should speak now. Maybe we're hearing things. Uh, let's see. Uh, the other caller who had a hand uh, or the other caller who uh, spoke, I think, simultaneously with Thomas in New York. Uh, the Can I be heard? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Greetings. This is Amhandisi. I was going to, well, uh, now that you, I hear you mention about the transportation uh, situation that, you know, a lot of black people have difficult time with transportation to work um, while I was in California uh, for this period of time that I was out there. Um, I'm not there now, but while I was there, uh, was the desert. So that's, that's one thing to consider. But, um, you know, when, uh, some people I know that were looking for work, they were trying to, uh, find work that, that they could go to any work. And a lot of the work that they were, um, looking at, you know, they started early in the day, but the buses, <laughs> uh, don't run. It doesn't run to where you can actually make it to work on the bus. So actually, I have no clue how you would make it to work if you didn't have a car. Um, and so, like, you can't walk either. Like, that's not a place to walk because that's the desert. Um, you know, and carrying all that water, it ain't even going to work. So um, that's one thing. that You know, it's all over the place where 
transportation is intentionally scheduled and planned to where black people are not able to even make it to work or to do much anything. Uh, and then the other thing, uh, the reason I was calling, uh, what is the cow's shirt information so I can get a cow shirt, if you don't mind? It's uh, C-O-W-S, cow's shirt at gmail.com. Uh, Dr. Trav should respond to the email and let you know. I don't know how many, like the quantity of shirts that he was doing and all that, but uh, it should not be a problem. But cows, C-O-W-S, shirt at gmail.com. Okay. And I wanted to say one last thing um, concerning the cow shirt. So if a person were to wear that cow shirt, let's say at work, or let's say a politician were to wear it, do you think that, well, let's say the politician, could a politician wear that, and do you see that being constructive, um, constructive, or do you see that being um, potential big problems? Mm, It's hard for me to, like the problem aspect, it's hard for me to pick out the problem aspect of it, because I haven't encountered any problems wearing the shirt. And over the six years, I haven't heard from anyone else who's encountered a problem wearing the shirt. Now, the however would be, I haven't spoken to anyone who wore it on the job, I don't think, uh, or anyone who wore it uh, while campaigning for an office. That is substantially different. And I've generally said uh, to folks to not wear it on the job. If if anyone has worn that shirt on the job, uh, that would be grand uh to you know hear how that how all of that went but uh problems uh i don't know i I can't i'll think about it i'll give it some thought but off top i i don't know yeah i don't know either but they're violent you know i don't mean to interrupt but but, uh, they're they're violent they could do that anyway right i mean you wouldn't you wouldn't necessarily have to 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 wear the shirt for that then the first part of it was it was a benefit or what was the first part Right, right, right. Do you see? Do you think that it would be constructive? Constructive. Like that's ultimately what I'm wondering. Yes. There was a politician today. I'm a victim. Forgive. I wasn't going to talk about this because it's not. Maybe it is. Anyway, I wasn't going to. The point is, I was not going to talk about this today. There's a politician, a non-white male, who just did a, I guess, commercial. He's running for office for his campaign, uh, and he said, uh, "I am your nigger." tell or tell people I'm your nigger, whatever, to get his vote. And he got all this publicity. It's been everywhere. They're talking about it, blah, blah, blah. So it could, you know, people want to talk. Where did you get this wacky shirt from? What is this? What do you mean? Treat you like what? Or respect. I don't know which version, whichever version you get. Uh, it could be some good publicity. Uh, it could be, you know, people want to do some interviews and talk and, you know, get your face on television or do some interviews, uh, what have you, to get your message out. So that could be constructive. Uh, I mean, media is good, right? You always want press coverage if you're doing a campaign, yes. Absolutely. That could be constructive. Uh, maybe other folks are here. Am I? What do you all think? Would that be what problems? Because we might have missed any problems or constructive benefit to having this shirt on in a workplace setting and or if you're running for uh, elected office, a publicly elected office to wearing this shirt while you are out during your campaigning, shaking hands, kissing babies, handing out bumper stickers and all of that and you've got your please 
treat or respect me like I am a white person shirt on? Do y'all think that would be helpful to the campaign? Harmful? May I be heard? Yes, ma'am. Um, I think it it may be helpful, but uh, again, also pose some challenges. I do um, think it would be interesting about the whole uh, publicity because, um, you know, of, of course, when black people are wearing shirts that kind of even hint at something to do with racism, it seems like it does at least, you know, get you a lot of likes or something like that. But then also um, you may have to worry about the white people who may, you know, as far as getting elected, because, you know, you can't just only depend on victims, especially how much uh, racism is um, done with the votings. So um, that's, that's the only thing that I would maybe consider is if you wear the shirt, you know, white people, they say that they do like it, but uh, they might not, um, you might not get their vote um, anyway, or, you know, you might not get their vote or whatever, or the politician rather. Um, I'm in my line. Thank you. That's a good point. That's a good point. Any other folks, potential uh, value or potential harm of wearing this shirt in a workplace setting and or campaigning for office? Can I be here? Uh, yes, ma'am. Greetings, Emmy. Greetings, beautiful people. Um, I personally don't think that there's any constructive value wearing the shirt to work or campaigning. I don't think that there's enough evidence to suggest that being that blatant about racism on, you know, making statements, period. Um, but even with your fashion, like I wouldn't, I would probably feel the same way about wearing like other t-shirts that maybe said other things or had other symbols and stuff like that to work or while you're campaigning. Um, primarily because I feel like it puts the spotlight on you and already makes it to where your room for maneuvering in terms of being subversive is greatly diminished because you will, I don't think, especially if images are caught of you, really be able to escape this very loud statement. And then it opens yourself up particularly to, if you're pursuing office, to a host of questions that you would have to be, I would think or postulate you'd have to be very skilled at answering and making sure that those answers, if immortalized forever, via some other form of media, radio or written or whatever, would cause you no issues further down the line. And I'm not so sure, like, what answer, you know, if you have these answers, you've thought about this all the way to that point, like, okay, so I wear the shirt, someone runs up with the camera, asks me a question, so what do you mean by this? Or what is racism? I mean, yes, perhaps I could totally see the value in the, pub the publicity aspect but I could also see the grave danger and perhaps maybe not being as prepared. And so I kind of, the image that popped into my mind about it was the spook who sat by the door. I, I personally feel that there's a lot of evidence to suggest that being maneuvering in that way in the workplace or and or office allows you to get further because no one can really detect how you think about some of these things. 
which I think is one of the strategies that works best for us if we consider ourselves counter-racist scientists or, you know, soldiers out here. Um, not being able to pinpoint exactly where you stand until you're in that position to really, you know, for instance, like maybe Dr. Francis Walsing, although she too paid for it, she was had her stuff, so to speak, and was able to speak from that space. But to get there, I'm not so sure that it would be as constructive. I know that's a little long-winded, but thank you for listening. Logical. Logical. Much obliged, Emmy. Do you have a ready... Uh, a ready-made retort. You're out campaigning. You got your buttons. You got your bumper stickers. You're wearing your shirt. Cameraman, camerawoman comes up. Journalist. Hey, what do you mean? Respect you. Treat you like a white person. You're out here trying to get votes. What do you mean? Boop. And they stick the mic in your face. Did you have a response already prepared? No, sir. Oh, okay. Preparation, definitely, definitely important. Uh, any other folks have a, have a thought on this? Do you think uh, it would be beneficial uh, or harmful to wear the shirt workplace uh, environment, I guess, dash, uh, if you're campaigning for a publicly elected office? Can I be heard? Retired firefighter in Florida. Yes, sir. Greetings, everyone. Greetings, Gus. I'll try to uh, to answer the uh, question uh, from my observations about uh, professional politics, and I put that kind of in the same frame as the term that I've used as uh, professional voting. Um, a politician would, I would think, would avoid. Uh, creating more uh, symbols or different things, maybe about their personal life, to have to uh, have to explain if it's especially, uh, I would say, under the subject of racism, white supremacy. Uh, that's for a white as well as a non-white professional politician. They have a tendency to avoid avoid it, avoid that because it it could be one of those situations where you are uh, creating uh, more problems. The problem is, of course, is to get elected, but by putting that shirt on, it may be a situation where you actually are creating, making it a little bit more tougher than what you may want it to be, because you would probably would have to explain it. And from there, uh, you can uh, basically uh, complicate uh, the uh, the percentage of people who would uh, make a choice for you for that particular job, uh, I would say. Uh, there is some cases where there are exceptions. Uh, I think I've, I saw somewhere on the on the internet, YouTube, where a uh, black female who was elected to a position and she constantly used uh, uh, counter-racist symbols uh, in in her in the process of her getting elected. 
but I suspect that the voter population, a lot of them were non-white black people. Matter of fact, when she was being sworn in, uh, I think she had a glove on or something like that. It was something, it was something that was very unusual. That was very symbolic, symbolically, uh, 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 what is called what people call pro black. I put it that, that way as far as that concerned, but her, her, the, the, from my understanding, the environment that, she, that was voting for her, uh, was a lot of non-white people. And even in that situation, that, 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 that uh, politician is still taking a chance. So I would say, uh, close to what Miss Emmy was talking about, uh, that, uh, they probably wouldn't. And as far as job is concerned, I'm, I'm not in favor of any, uh, any uh, thing that has any type of description on it uh, when you go into work. Uh, of course, it, what I what I did, uh, it, it wasn't nothing, you know, uh, like that at all, uh, except for, you know, when you was involved in some sort of recreation, whether you were lifting weights or playing basketball, it might be a different situation. Now, I've been in environments at the station where all of the people at the station were black. And uh, so I may have on, you know, I may have on or someone else may have had on a, a shirt that has some sort of symbol or some kind of phrase to it uh, that was uh, has something to do with uh, counter racism uh, in that situation. But uh, uh, and I will say I have what I'm talking about. I've actually broken the rule. Uh, in some cases, I would do it. I would would, would do it. I've done it. Uh, in that time that I was on that job just to get a reaction <laughs> on purpose, just to get a reaction, I would do it. But uh, I was taking a uh, a risk, in the, uh, what I call a calculated risk in doing it. And uh, that's my uh, attempt to uh, answer the question. Thank you. Hmm. Can I be heard? Thomas in New York. Yes, um, I would say absolutely positively I would not. I wouldn't wear these shirts or workplace um environment. Um I, my codification is um why create any problems that's unnecessary at the workplace. I'm just trying to get in and get out and hopefully be unseen by anyone, you know. Like I'm not trying to um just have a conversation to shirt on um, a team shirt on or anything like that, anything that's going to spark any unnecessary conversations. And uh, I believe that shirt in New York City would spark a huge conversation because white people are, well, you see the president, they're very um, open with that idea um, in a codified way, you know, if that's what you call um, Now, so the running for politics, I think if I was running for politics and I was to wear the shirt that white people, especially um, reporters, they would look in to see where the shirt came from and they might uh, pull up um, more information on things I might have said in, in the past on the show and things of that nature that would go against me winning the election and uh, white people are very good investigators. 
Good point, Thomas in New York. They definitely would uh, not miss the logo for the cows is on the shirt. Uh, other folks who dialed in with a hand uh, or uh, I guess we could take a couple more, take two more. If folks have a thought on wearing the cow shirt, political campaign, workplace, dash uh, workplace environment. May I be heard? Greetings, Ivy. Greetings, Gus. Greetings to the firefighter, Thomas, New York, resident expert, super codified software and uh, developer, Emmy, everyone. Um, Imhan DC, greetings to you, sir. I, I think it depends on what you're trying to accomplish because I actually think that it's constructive. I think that if it's um, if it's non-political, if it's a non-political job, I, I would not recommend that at all. Um, as far as the political thing, it depends on how much you need the job. Um, I think that in terms of it harming your election election chances, um, again, that depends on how badly you need the job because in my view, in a system of white supremacy, white people are not going to let you help black people, which I would think would probably be your, um, your goal. However, um, I think it will be very constructive with the conversation that it could garner. You could help to um, lessen the confusion of other victims. Um, there are other people who actually, you know, get paid a lot of money to talk about racism. Um, you have Tariq Nasheed. You have, you know, some other people. Um, so it could be lucrative. I guess it kind of depends. I'm not sure how lucrative it is if you're, you know, super honest and um, it, it may depend on your confusion level. Um, and I just wanted to say in closing, thank you so much for always saying white people kill black people. I think most of us do not understand that. And I am um, keeping that in my mind as often as possible and it's resonating more and more every day. I'm just so grateful for you constantly stressing that. And I'll meet my line. Thanks, everyone. Thanks, Gus. Right on, Ivy. Last comment on the shirt situation before we move on to other items. Have you heard? Uh, yes, sir. Um, hello, everyone. Um, caller from California. Um, to answer um, I, I don't know if that's the right question, but for that reason, uh, my answer is I don't know. Um, but I do have a uh, two cow shirt situations of my own, if you don't mind or no. Man, this seems like a super detour, but since it was brought up in the context, let's hear the cow shirt stories. Thank you. Uh, my first uh, situation was I wore it to a theme park out here. Dozens, uh, if not hundreds of people, mostly white, racist suspects. And um, the first interaction that I got was from a black female, and she gave me the thumbs up and um, was very happy to see me wearing a shirt. Uh, 
the second interaction I had was with a um, quote-unquote Hispanic person, um, and he approached me and um, just said out that um, I apologize for on behalf of all white people. Um, and then at that moment, I was thinking I should I ask him to do something, but I nothing came to mind. But, um, and the uh, the second um, uh, time I wore the uh, cow shirt was during my um, I guess uh, sibling was uh, having a child. I wore it to the hospital, and um, most of the uh, white uh, nurses uh, tried not to look, but there was one non-white, non-black person who um, looked at the shirt and was know, happy and asked what I get it from. I told him about the, uh, the program. Um, but that's all I have. Thank you. Uh, congratulations on being a new uncle. That's great. Uh, that is hilarious. I apologize on behalf of whites. Hilarious. Uh, I guess other folks, if you have your shirt story, uh, you can email or share compensatory call in. That'd be a good uh, time to share if you have other shirt stories as people wear them out in public uh, and see what happens. This is all supposed to be an experiment anyway. Now, anyway, off topic, off topic, off topic. Back to workplace racism. Uh, the number again, 641-715-3640. The code 564-943-POUND. Press star 61 if you would like to participate. Uh, to get Back to make sure I'm on topic with workplace racism, uh, I will get through some of the emails uh, that folks have mailed in uh, to make sure that I get through all of those uh, before we get to the conclusion of the broadcast. Uh, let's see. Uh, person who emailed in. Oh, so they have a question, so we'll be getting feedback on this one, hopefully. Uh, I have a... Uh, uh, let's see. All right. I have a question for workplace racism. I am currently looking to leave an employer, <clears throat> but an issue I keep running into is a lack of professional references. I've been using friends of the family, but that will only work for so long. I'm not as experienced as some of the other callers and I'm currently in school for information technology. If that helps, what would be the best way a victim of racism, white supremacy could navigate around this obstacle? great question if you are in school you should have an instructor or two that you can hopefully form some sort of connection to where they can uh, be a reference uh, i would also look to see if you can get in some other situations whether it's volunteering something in your field where you're doing some work uh, where someone could also write you a reference that speaks to your character uh, your competence, your professionalism, I think that can be helpful as well. Uh, whites, they have all kind. I mean, you talk about masters of deception. My God, they, uh, wow, that's like multiple programs in terms of, of the deception and how they are able to do this. But uh, I think those would be two good ones. Do other folks have uh, suggestions? It sounds like for someone, especially who is younger, uh, in terms of uh, ways that they can help get references? May I be heard? Yes, ma'am. 
Um, the suggestion that I have that I've used in the past, I don't know if like with this person, at least with past jobs, if they have someone like even like a victim, I've used um, other victims on plantations that I've kind of formed some type of bond with. Um, I've used that. And then also um, even some of like the victims, because um, like they'll only promote, you know, non-white people so high. And so like, so, you know, far up the chain and even developing if they've developed any kind of bond with a victim who might be like an assistant supervisor or something like that, that might even be, um, you know, maybe an option. And I'll meet my line. Thank you for allowing me to share. For sure. It's a great one. If you have former uh, coworkers uh, that you've remained in contact with, who can same thing, speak to your competence, professionalism. Other folks have suggestions for references. Yes, Emmy. Uh, my first initial gut reaction was volunteering because I actually wanted to talk about that later. So I only I wanted to emphasize that because I think many times people forget about volunteering. We get so busy and stuff like that. But volunteering is a fantastic way to get a lot of things accomplished, including developing professional references um, and it's great if you can get it in your field but if you can't even just doing anything that's of service will help um, and a lot of times when you're volunteering those people who are running the volunteer programs or whatever are generous or they want to help you out because you're helping them as well um, and then the other one that um, if you have any mentors or anyone that functions like a mentor. So maybe it's not like through a mentor program, but maybe there's like this older person that you've developed some type of rapport with or relationship with, um, maybe just kind of like around the way. Some, I, I have one and I use her. Um, and I've been using her for a very, very long time. And I put down that she is a mentor and that's better than a friend. Um, maybe not as good as someone who, you know, like an employee or a, a supervisor, but it still can go um, ways that they can speak to your character. So even if they're like a coach or something like that, like I'm not so sure what all you're into. Um, it's, I don't know if you go to church and whatnot, but even if it's like someone in that type of environment that's enough older than you that they're not a friend. Thanks. Can I be heard? Much obliged, Emmy. Radiant as usual. Retired firefighter, proceed. Uh, yes. Uh, you can, uh, as far as uh, your educational background, uh, you can actually start from elementary school all up to high school. If, you, if that person attends college, uh, the same thing as far as getting references. Uh, I heard the word coach. Uh, coaches have been used quite a bit. Uh, 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 if you are a member of a quote-unquote church, uh, ministers have been utilized. Uh, when I mean school, I'm also talking about the administrators, the principal at all three levels. Even if you went to college, the, the uh, chief administrator of that college, as far as they're concerned, especially if they have uh, access to your transcript <laughs> and let's say it's successful, uh, they don't really have to know you personally, 
uh, and as far as they're concerned. And, uh, of course, you pay to go to that college also. Uh, there's many different uh, means to obtain references. It depends on what uh, pr profession and or job that you are pursuing, and you kind of want to make it identifiable as far as they're concerned, uh, uh, kind of like the people that you pick may may uh, have some um, some obvious connection uh, with uh, with the profession that you are attempting to uh, to be employed by. But uh, those are some of my suggestions that I've actually done uh, myself, as well as uh, seen others uh, do. Thank you. Great reason to talk about workplace racism. <clears throat> Excuse me. Much obliged, retired firefighter. Uh, just cultivating uh, references, that can be very helpful as well. I did know some black people, they would do that. They would stay in touch. And sometimes it would just be they went to school together and then they graduated. So now, you know, we're professional, even though we're college chums, technically, as they would say. But now we're both professionals. Uh, so this can be someone who can vouch and all the way up because they can talk about my educational background and, you know, how well I did and how I apply that in different work situations and being reliable and depend everything I said, competence, professionalism. But that can be one right there. And just talking about the workplace and someone helps, I guess, if the person can write well so they can be impressive when they're saying all of the superlative things about you. Other folks have uh, suggestions for re res uh, reference development. Really quick, um, this is probably not the most, you know, constructive, long-lasting solution. But if you're trying to get a job right away, and say all of the suggestions aren't working for you, I know you said you've been using family thus far. I don't, you, maybe you've already done this, maybe you haven't, but if there is a professional family member, like, and by professional I mean in the way that they can speak and stuff like that, um, that has a different last name. Again, this is not the most, you know, like legit way to do it, but if you just, you're in a bind and you got to do what you got to do, use that family member that doesn't have the same last name and then always talk with this person and make sure that the stories line up, that whatever you're putting down on paper is what this person is going to corroborate and confirm with whoever is going to call and ask about you. Um, so you just want to be very thorough to make sure that you dot your I's and cross your T's if you're using that person. You might already be doing it, but just in case you're not. Grand, grand. Any other reference uh, suggestions? Can I be heard? Uh, software developer. Yes, sir. Um, I don't know if this was mentioned, and I didn't hear the whole email because um, I was taken away for a minute, so apologies for that. Um, I did use, when I was in school, I did use some, uh, some of my uh, TAs, who were in, some of them were suspected racist, uh, but that I had built enough of a professional rapport with where they could speak about me professionally. Um, so if you have any TAs, I wouldn't go for the professor, but if there are some TAs because you have more, uh, more access to them and you deal with them more often, and if they know your work very well, and if you're, you know, obviously excelling at your work, you could 
use them in a pinch. Um, I don't know if that was I don't know if that was one of the issues that the um, the caller the writer was having, but that that is a suggestion. Thank you. I'll meet my line. Much obliged. Our solo Wisconsin representative on the line now. Uh, any other uh, suggestions for references? Grand, moving forward. Uh, other folks uh, that we have not heard from at all. Uh, there are people who dialed in with a hand up that we've not heard from. Proceed. Robbie Hart. <laughs> Rob, formerly of Wisconsin. This is actually a uh, Raymond. I'm from Kentucky. I'm a oh no, my apologies, caller. my apologies. I thought it was Rob relocated. My apologies, Raymond, Kentucky. My apologies. Oh, no. Thank you so much for dialing in first time, sir. Yes, uh, man. I just want to tell you honestly, I truly, truly appreciate you, man. This is a. Uh, I was on YouTube one day, just scrolling. I almost thought it was too good to be true. I was like, yes, it's set up. Ain't nobody talking about this. And uh, I've been listening, listening. I went about, back about three months. I've just been listening. And I was like, man, this is this. And other uh, conscious broadcasters have uh, really been uh, implemental in, in basically just dealing with uh, white supremacy on the workplace, man. And I... Uh, I mean, it's really just a pleasure to talk to you and really be on on the broadcast and be be around the family, people that understand. Um, I'm also a victim, you know what I'm saying, as everybody already uh, knows. And uh, I'm a former Division I uh, athlete. I uh, ran track. And um, ever since I graduated college, basically my demise has been, uh, in the professional setting, has been white supremacy. Um, uh, the story I want to tell you, I wrote you on Twitter and was like, hey, I have a story to tell. And uh, this may be a bit lengthy, but uh, I, I promise you and to all the people that have uh, chimed in thus far, I do want to hear everybody's input because this is, this is a very interesting case. Um, I don't want to, for the purpose of my story, I don't want to use any uh, names. I personally don't care. But it's just the fact that what it all surrounds, like it's ultimately encompassing how white supremacy affected me in the workplace, but I don't want to use any names. So I'm just going to give the, the precursor and then the actual story. I, uh, well, my second job um, coming from uh, college, I worked uh, at the museum for the most famous black boxer. Matter of fact, the, the goat of all boxers. I'll say that. So I'll say it without saying. That's where I worked. I worked in the security department. And when I first started working there, um, I quickly noticed that all of my, it was basically uh, all of the, uh, the whites were, how can I put it, in, in, the, in the focal point, right? All the whites were in the front. All of the blacks were in menial roles in the bottom. And when I first started, I was like, well, why isn't there any black people in any, any form of leadership? This is literally all passive-aggressive white women, to which I honestly believe is my demise. I'm terrified of white women spotters. <laughs> but the entire time I was there, I noticed that 
all of the blacks on the bottom. They were the security or janitors, all of which the entire workforce was um, older. I mean, older is in retirement age. And there were several incidents, and I'm not necessarily outspoken. However, if I do take a problem with something like fucking injustice is being done, I have something to say about it. Um, so I pick and choose my spots very well. And my supervisor, he was a, uh, he was a black man, but he was, I mean, I don't like the name call, but I'll, I'll say he was more confused leaning towards the, the coon back. So, I'll take it on him. Just to kind of, uh, hang just on, to kind of, hang on, hang on. I have not had to use the mute button in so long. My goodness. Uh, the rule for the cows. There is no name calling on the cows. That I word is an immediate mute. I was my I'm rusty. I was normally ready with the uh, the mute button. Uh, I was feeling a bit callous to mute a first time caller, but uh, this is no name calling. Uh, I've concluded that is a major part of why we haven't solved this problem and calling other black people names, even if they're confused, that does not solve any problems. You can call this person a coon a million times and that's not going to solve any of your problems. So please, no name calling Raymond in Kentucky. I do owe you one because I misspoke with your name. So proceed without the name calling, sir. Absolutely. Those are my apologies. So my um, supervisor was uh, confused, I'll say. Um, At any given time, he would basically blame all the ails of society on uh, black folks. Just at any given time. And he would always do it. He would make sure to do it in front of uh, white people. Which I... It would rub me the wrong way so much to the point I'd always have to leave the room. He would, he would do it around police officers, uh, judges, attorneys, anybody that would listen at any given time. Um, the rest of the uh, security force was basically older black women, to which they told me on multiple occasions, um, young man, if you want to make it at this job, you're going to have to learn how to, the word that they used was Uncle Tom. That was exactly what the word that they used. To which I was like, I, I don't feel comfortable doing that. I don't, I don't think that that's okay. Um, my supervisor's boss, I'll call her the head honcho, the passive aggressive white woman. She basically was um, just basically an all, like just, just, just as I put it, the passive aggressive white woman. Um, she was very, very scary and uh, very in touch with, with, with racism. Um, there was a particular time where she asked me if I could, could we walk the women to their cars after uh, after late night events? She asked me if I could uh, walk her to her car, to which I said no problem, but I thought it was a little bit odd that it was 4.30 in the daytime in the heat of the summer. So I'm, I'm like, well, okay, it's fine. I walk her to her car. We don't talk about anything except for the weather. She tells me have a good weekend. I say, well, you too. I walked back into my job the following day. I had the day off. One of my fraternity brothers, he calls me and he says, hey, Raymond, you have to, they're really talking about you. You have to clean up your act. I thought, what's going on? My supervisor's boss uh, basically had told the entire staff that um, she didn't feel safe with me walking with, uh, walking with her to her car 
and she felt that I didn't uh, that I didn't uh, want to walk her out there, and that she was so terrified once I left that uh, she had to run to her car. To which I replied, "Well, I don't think that was the case at all. I'm, like I said, I, I'm not going to create new problems for myself, but." We have a camera system. Let's use that. So that's just a tidbit on her. Um, the situation that happened started uh, the first weekend of the following college semester. So that August, end of August, we had a, uh, for some odd reason, they thought it was a good idea to have a uh, fraternity party, a white fraternity party at the museum, to which I immediately took a, kind of my, the light bulb went off, the question marks went off. Um, so me and the supervisor's boss, the, the, the white woman, she tells me, um, hey, Raymond, uh, we're going to have a party uh, for these uh, fraternity kids. Uh, they're going to come in. They don't have any uh, alcohol. They don't have any food or drinks. Make sure they do not bring alcohol into the museum. It is a liability. Uh, we could basically be held accountable for anything that happens to them while they're on their premises. I replied back, yes, ma'am, I agree with that. That's, I don't think that that's okay. She says, uh, I think it would be a smooth night, don't you think so? I said, well, I have to disagree with you. And she was like, well, why? I tell her, well, you have to understand that this is the first weekend of college. It's the first weekend that students are free from their parents. It's the first time that they have free reign. It's going to be as bad as it can possibly be on our dime. She says, I don't think so, and scoffed and walked away. Uh, there was one white security officer. He was very callous and very, he was trenched in white supremacy. He was one of the most meanest men I've ever met. He asked if he can swap me out the desk. I immediately said, absolutely, because if things go bad, they'll be blamed on you and not myself. I go, and I'm basically in the camera room. What I see unfold that night, um, I saw these uh, these college students, maybe 17, 18, 19, I saw these college students basically disrespect the center, disrespect themselves. Uh, they were literally, they were urinating off the side of the building onto the freeway. Now, mind you, this is a 10-story building, like standing on top of the 10-story building, urinating onto the highway. They were clearly, they snuck in maybe 21 handles of alcohol. And on top of that, they were also doing drugs, and I mean hard drugs, in the bathroom, to which I caught them. And basically, when I caught them, I told my friend that today is the epitome of white supremacy. This is the epitome of uh, white privilege in this country, because these are unfortunately going to be our future uh, leaders in this nation. And he uh, he was upset as well because when we would go across the, uh, the individuals, they would act as if they weren't doing anything wrong. Like I would walk up to a kid, say, hey, man, there's no alcohol in here. Give me that. This is illegal. We, let's go downstairs. They would just extend their hand and introduce themselves as if this is just what they were supposed to be doing. There was a point in time in the night where... Uh, they started hazing each other. They lined up all of the, the white men, uh, I guess the pledges, and basically were beating them on camera, visibly. Uh, they were throwing up all over the uh, the murals, and these were 
hundreds of thousands of dollar uh, items from uh, this famous boxer throwing up and uh, just completely disrespecting the place. That's a great offense to it. The end of the night, no damage, no trouble was gotten into. Um, security department was basically told, they basically looked me in the face and said, don't worry about it. We have it. Nothing was ultimately done. Um, the following weekend, uh, I come to work. It's a normal day. I checked the, uh, the sheet thing, which event we had that day. Um, and I saw Kentucky Free Thinkers Convention. I didn't really think anything of it at first. Ultimately, I really thought, well, maybe it's just a, a forum for free speech because we, we, did, we do host good events. Now, they're always um, whitewashed and sanitized to make it seem like um, society is the victim. I mean, society is the, the perpetrator and not blaming a, a specific group of people. Um, so when I go upstairs, a, uh, one of the custodians comes up to me and she tells me that, uh, hey, do you know what this convention is about? I reply back, no, ma'am. She says, well, Raymond, this is the uh, National Atheist Convention. My eyes perked up at this point in time because um, I worked in a facility for the, the greatest boxer of all time. and he, went, he lived by six principles, and one of those principles was spirituality. It just so happened that I was sitting behind the sign that said to protect uh, and represent the ideals of uh, this said individual at all times. My problem wasn't necessarily with the, uh, the atheists. It was with the uh, administration that took the money, ultimately my supervisor's supervisor, the, uh, the passive-aggressive white woman. Um, basically, my issue is that I personally was about a mantra that I'm not going to sacrifice my, my, my integrity and my morals for money, and I felt that that's what the, uh, the center was doing at that point in time. Um, my, so my problem wasn't with the, the atheists, because they, ultimately they were just coming to the address that they paid for. My problem was the person that accepted the money and said, hey, this is what we're going to do, we're going to have this here. Um, the bigger problem, I had a, another problem with that situation because um, the news and the media came to the center all the time. And as security, it was my job to sign them in, give them the media passes, let them film about as uh, they were allowed to do. And uh, I just didn't want to be a part of it. Not only did I feel uncomfortable with it, but the first, first impressions are kind of everything in this situation because the first person that walked in, he, uh, he basically wore... Um, Anybody's a wrestling fan. Um, the Undertaker. Uh, he came in the Undertaker jacket, Undertaker hat, and he had a, I think it was maybe a seven-foot-long Grim Reaper blade on his back. It was real, it was rusty, and I've never seen anything like it. So to, have, to know that this event is going on, and the first person that you see come in wearing that, I was uh, a little bit more than taken aback, if I say that. And um, about 30 seconds that way people yeah, can kind of respond. You said you wanted people to kind of get feedback. Yes. So ultimately this, uh, this event goes on. Um, this event ends up going on and I end up getting into it with the, uh, suspected white supremacist, uh, male about me going up and patrolling that event. Um, he was basically telling me to just shut up and do my job. To which I was responding that, hey, this isn't what we're about. This isn't what we stand for at the center. Um, I end up getting um, a 
accosted by my supervisor, the uh, the black man that was confused. And uh, he basically used the analogy, well, uh, you know, Ali stood for something too. And I ultimately responded that I didn't do this because this is my opportunity to say, hey, I'm uh, doing, uh, I'm, I'm, this is my chance to be like Ali. I was doing this because this was morally right. And I wanted to be on the side of right when everything was said and done. And uh, I basically got written up for it after he, he basically begged me for it and uh, got written up for the whole thing. But ultimately, I, I do want to hear people's feedback just on the situation because it's, that's, it, it's a deeper, much deeper story than that. Thank you for listening. Much obliged, Raymond in Kentucky. Uh, it does not surprise me that that sort of thing uh, would be happening. I, I mean, we're in a system of white supremacy and they mistreat non-white people worldwide uh, in life, death. So it, it does not surprise me that they would be operating this establishment or hosting events that contradict uh, the beliefs, practices of the person that this institute is supposed to be in reverence or in homage to. Um, all of that said, uh, with the write-up, it sounds like you have a pretty, you've come to some conclusions about the work environment and the people that you work with. So it's not, or at least to me, it's not uh, surprising that they to- that they chose to uh, write you up uh, for you voicing, I guess, your difference of opinion uh, about this. Um, yeah, it's, I mean, with the write-up, I mean, it sounds like you still have your job. You weren't terminated uh at least are you is this like a place where you want to continue to work you know long term or is this just something you're doing for a short period of time can you can you hear me yes sir this is ultimately a place that um i was terminated from um, oh okay the, the, that that was literally the uh the half of it honestly i do not want to take up a, a whole lot of your time it's just this is one of those situations that Outside of my immediate family, um, the reason for my termination is basically um, kind of. Well, I, I, don't I didn't want to want get the, the whole story. story. I didn't want to get the whole uh, story because I did want to get people a chance to to comment and then get other people. Um, but yeah, yeah, you said so. You're not working there anymore. That was got that. Um, no, sir, I guess I was um, ultimately terminated. Got uh, it. it was, okay. Yeah, uh, the it was, it was other folks really who. That's why we have workplace racism. Lots of folks have these types of situations. Absolutely. Did did folks have, I guess, any comments on how he handled uh, the situation? Ultimately, I guess this was a part of ultimately him being uh, terminated. I guess it's what they call Monday morning quarterbacking now since he's not there anymore. But did any, any folks have thoughts on what they heard, his situation doing security there? No surprise with the white uh, shenanigans, incidentally. Didn't want that to be lost. That is have heard that about eight billion times. My mind flashes back to uh, Penn State and the white hooliganism. I'm talking about when the whites rioted when the coach was fired. Uh, All manner of any reason for white hooliganism urinating off the building. We've talked about that for 10 years here on the cows. Uh, But any thoughts on the uh, termination and and how he dealt with that situation? May I be heard? Uh, Yes, ma'am. I'll be real quick. So, um, 
you know, definitely appreciate Raymond's, you know, sense of integrity, but especially with these museums. Um, I know I spoke um, a while back about going to a museum. You have to understand that even though these museums are supposed to be, quote unquote, about the victims, they're not. And also there's more likely white money behind the museum. That's why you would be able to see all these different things, you know, the atheist things that are blatantly against what this victim believes. So, I mean, it's, it's nice and all that, um, you know, you have that sense of integrity, but, you know, at a plantation, even applying this maybe to your current plantation, you have a current plantation to, um, yes, still have some personal integrity, but when it comes to um, your job duties, just as long as you're doing within, I could be wrong, of course, uh, but just as long as you're doing something that is not only abiding by, you know, the U.S. law, but also by the company's policies, just keep it there and not really put too much of your personal um, feelings into it if it's not something that is directly affecting um, a victim. And that's something that you can somewhat affect, um, somewhat do something about. Um, and um, that's, that's all I want to share. Thank you. Much obliged, Red in Las Vegas. Talk about integrity. He is in the land of integrity. Good old Las Vegas. Other folks uh, have thoughts on uh, commentary from Raymond in Kentucky. May I may I respond? Uh, just give us one second, Raymond. Uh, did any other uh, folks sure, have? Sure. Yes, sir. Any other folks uh, want to respond to what they heard from Raymond? Can I be heard? Yes, you may. Uh, yes, ma'am. Yes. Um, so I have to concur with Red on this. Um, there, there's only so much you can do in the global system, racism, white supremacy. Uh, white people are going to be white, and they are going to be allowed to do things that non-white people are not allowed to do, and they are going to be allowed to desecrate things that are supposedly memorializing non-white people, no matter how important those non-white people are. Um, so I would have to concur with Red, uh, again, as long as you, you know, to echo what you said, as long as you are not uh, directly in conflict with a non-white person, uh, harming a non-white person, or engaging in anything that would harm a non-white person, or can stop the harm to a non-white person, um, you, I would just stay out of the way. In situations like that, I know it's very difficult. You, you know, obviously, you have a great deal of respect for uh, this person. Um, I think I'm, I'm assuming I know who you're talking about. Um, you have a great deal of respect, as many of us do, for this person. But um, unfortunately, that that's just the way this system is. I'll meet my line. Much obliged, codified software developer. Absolutely. Absolutely. Whites are going to practice white supremacy. No surprises there. Uh, we'll get one more comment on Raymond's uh, situation for the bottom of the hour. Uh, last comment on Raymond's situation. Any of the folks who dialed in? Yes, ma'am. Uh, I agree with Tom. Uh, the resident expert in the super codified software developer in Wisconsin. Um, I also wanted to say that no black person is a coon or a nigger or any of these uh, 
psychological and verbal abuses abuses that white people have come up with. Um, confused victims believe that coon means sellout or whatever. No, it doesn't. It means nigger. Um, and we have just been, um, as a result of that word being used against us so much, we have just tried to apply different meanings to it and all of that. And it just still amounts to the same thing, which is just name calling. And when you call somebody a coon or a nigger or any of those words, you're calling not only that person, but you're calling yourself that and you're calling other people that. And I don't want to be called a, I don't want to be called a coon. Um, and, um, I just wanted to, and it's, and, and it's also very logical that he would, that your, uh, former supervisor would, um, I guess, blame black people or something like that in front of white people and, 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 and say things that he thinks that, you know, white people will like because all black people, even though we're not coons or niggers, we are victims of white supremacy and we've been terrorized and we've been terrorized in the area of economics where we have been denied jobs. He knows that he is one step from being homeless just on the basis of skin color. So jobs are very, very difficult to come by. And so it makes very logical sense that he would do whatever he had to do to maintain his job, to go up in his job, to keep his job, even if it means mistreating you. I could see that he could think that that's a very small price to pay if he's able to survive. So that's very logical on his part, even though it may um, be offensive or hurt, you know, other people. But his desire to survive is, is very, very logical, and he shouldn't be called names for that. If anyone deserves the name calling, it's the people who put him in that position where he feels the need to do that in order to survive. And uh, I'll meet my line. Thanks, everyone. Thanks, Gus. Much obliged. Much obliged. The grandsister, Dr. Frances Cress Welsing, her 10 stops. One of them was no name calling. No name calling. Context of white supremacy. Person who wrote in, I uh, think I might be able to get, nab everybody who wrote. Uh, non white listener, she said, I'm not sure if I responded the right way, but it's just my personality. I was in the building cafeteria, which opens to all businesses in the building. A group of white males were talking about the Nike Colin Kaepernick situation. Folks know he's the, um, I can't believe I have to explain. <laughs> Folks know he's the uh, non-white male former quarterback for the San Francisco 49ers. And uh, he was doing the kneeling for the anthem thing, right? And he has his current arbitration suit alleging uh, collusion uh, from whites in the NFL to keep him from getting a job, uh, keep him from having a job, being white bald. Uh, and Nike this week, they made him the spokesman. Nike is the official apparel maker for the NFL. They make all the uniforms and paraphernalia and what have you officially. Uh, and they picked Mr. Kaepernick this week as the spokesman. So that has created quite a conundrum since, you know, all of this is going on. So that's the backdrop. Anyway, with all of that, uh, the white males in line behind her at the cafeteria, that's what they were talking about. They were very negative, racist. They, they purposely asked me how I felt about the situation. I responded by asking them why they can't get over O.J. Simpson. They just responded, hmm, and said, never mind, and walked away. 
they weren't there to get lunch. They were there to start something with a black person. End of their transmission. I guess lunch, I don't know if how many we've had on lunch. I guess we people, uh, lunch generally is, is people, whites perhaps stealing or molesting your food in the office or asking you out to lunch, that sort of thing, but just uh, people going to get lunch. And then that ended up being an incident of racism, trying to get your meal uh, in between your work hours on the job. But uh, this one, you might have more latitude because it sounds like these might not necessarily be whites that you work with, in which case you can say whatever you want to. We would normally, uh, the thinking would be tailored to these are whites that you're working with. So, you know, more restrictions and maybe asking questions. And she did stay in the question lane. She did. Why can't you get over OJ Simpson? Question. Works even for the workplace. But uh, in this situation, yeah, you'd have a lot more latitude for what you would want to say do i mean you're still a victim of white supremacy but these might not even be folks that you work with so you know and as always you're not obligated to respond i cannot say that enough frequently that is the best option uh if anybody that is looking for an option in terms of counter racism where you're not causing new problems uh and you're not taking a situation which is already dangerous which is the default system of white supremacy and making that worse frequently not saying anything that will work generally that is satisfactory if you don't say anything there eh, mute nigra anyway that no good kaepernick i'm glad he's not there and i can't believe you know they go about whatever the rest of their conversation if they came purposely to uh start conflict with a nigra they'll just go find another victim presumably uh, any any uh, comments on this vignette briefly before we move on? Stay alert, even while getting lunch. Stay alert. Race soldiers are always looking to abuse non-white people. Uh, we are in the last hour, so if we have folks who have not been heard at all, you should definitely speak up. Don't lollygag and wait till the final minute. The number again, 641 715 Four zero the code five six four nine four three pound press star six one if you would like to participate folks we've not heard from proceed can I be heard yes ma'am I've commented on other people's situations I do want to comment on the previous one that you just read and then just say a couple of things I've been thinking about um, I agree. I, I'm all for not saying anything. That's like one of my most precious codified responses of all time is absolute silence. Um, but I did want to point out that the whites who responded with the hmm and walking away, that's codified behavior too. And it was very, very powerful. It's just like, hmm, and you just let it go. Um, and I just wanted to highlight, because it's part of my previous things I was going to say in my list, but that we're always being watched, and it's very important to remember that. And as far as I'm concerned, whether I see these particular white people getting with other white people that I may see does not mean that these white people don't know the white people that I deal with on a regular basis. To say that more simply, as far as I'm concerned, all white people 
get together and collude, whether I know about it or not. And just to be really clear about the definition of collude, it means to come to a secret understanding, most oftentimes with a harmful or negative intent. As far as I'm concerned, that's just what they do. Um, Now, uh, I wanted to, it's been a while since I've really spoken um, and participated in the workplace racism, so I'm going to be as concise and laconic as possible. I invested in one of the more um, specialized recording devices. I have one that looks like a USB, although that was not really how I wanted it to be. It was the more cost-effective, but it is like a pro kind of situation. I tried it out. It was something that one of the other COWS listeners had um, suggested that I try. And it was a little bit more pricey, so it took me a little bit longer to get, but I got it, and I love it, and I like it, and it's working. Um, I was working in a pharmacy. The pharmacy was bought out. It was shut down. The day they told me they were closing the pharmacy, I had my iPad. I created an Indeed account. I made that resume that while I was at work. It was slow. While I was at work applied to, decided that at this point I was no longer going to do pharmacy because um, I don't really like pharmacy anyway, and, but I, I am healthcare-oriented so that I would shoot for something that would actually work for me. That's what I did. I put in applications, um, and my strategy was create the account because, you know, like don't procrastinate. Do what you can do right now. Create the account. Copy. I, I keep my resume updated all the time, but I, I don't allow that to get backed up. Um, so it's current. I keep a copy on my phone. So I, and, you know, PDF version or whatever it is, I have a PDF version, so I can easily copy paste. And that's what I did with Indeed. Instead of uploading my resume, I just made one with them. Come to find out, it's actually a very legitimate-looking resume. I actually thought it was formatted very nicely and presented very well. Um, I know you can get really fancy with the resumes. My particular stance, what I've seen to be constructive into work, is simple, is better. A lot of times all the extra stuff kind of gets in the way, so you want to get to the point of whatever it is that you're trying to, you know, sell yourself on or whatever. And Indeed did a great job. It was like boom, 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 bam, it's done. You can even print a version and save a copy. So if you do not have a resume, tryindeed.com, put your information in, and that will give you at least a good working skeleton that you can work with. Um, And if you do have a resume but you're looking for jobs, I suggest uploading your information into Indeed, searching for whatever it is that you're looking for, and then the next part of the strategy was to find all of the jobs that I was willing to do and save them, which I could do. And then after I took a second, you know, took a day break and then returned to the resume to comb through it to make sure that it was the way that I wanted it to be, then I just applied to a bunch of the easiest ones, the ones that, like, apply via Indeed. You can do that. I applied on a Sunday. I was called on a Monday. I got the job on Wednesday. What I wanted to do, the reason I'm saying that is because there are a lot of positions And if you do not know the particular vernacular to describe the title of the position, it would be hard to find. For instance, if you're, say, entry level, I don't know what everybody out there is doing, but even if you know other people who maybe they don't know what direction they're going in life, 
Um, one great way to kind of get some exposure healthcare-wise, pharmacy tech, which I've always talked about, you apply to a pharmacy like, you know, like a Rite Aid, like a Walgreens, a Target, or whatever it is that you have in your area. Most of those have programs where they'll take in the tech and you get six months, you train through their program, you sit for the national test, you don't have to go to a community college to do it, you keep your certification, you can get a job. Now, if you're trying to get into a hospital-type situation, which is what I wanted to do because I need clinical hours, the key words to look for are patient safety technicians. If you type that into Indeed, um, because there are companies that will contract you out and you can go into people's homes or you can go into hospitals um, and work directly with patients. I like crisis intervention, so this is something that I like. If you want more information, I'm happy to, like, help you in any way that I can, um, but it worked for me, and it's a it's a highly rotating position because it is demanding, it is stressful, but if you're into that kind of thing like myself, then this is a place for you to go. The pay is, it's okay, you know what I mean? It'll definitely help. I don't, you know, this is for entry-level folks. Y'all who are totally in your professional thing, this may not be for you, but for entry-level folks, if you're looking for something, you need some money, patient, safety, technician, um, it's, and then, like, there are other keywords, buzzwords that you can type in. Um, I chose, I have the option, like, I can, I'm pretty much always on call, and I can choose other times that I'm specifically committed, which worked very well for me in my school schedule. I could go into people's homes, or I could go into hospitals. I'm not going into anybody's home. I live out here in Virginia, so they don't give me a picture of this person, and I'm not going into any suspected racist white people's homes. As a healthcare professional, I've stated this before, um, I get paid. I, getting paid to do my job is getting paid to do my job. Um, that's not an emotional investment. It's an exchange. In a hospital, I feel far more safe and capable of doing whatever it is that I'm there to do, which is to make sure that they don't injure themselves and blah, 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 blah. Um, so, but before I began, I made sure I had the recorder. One, I'm collecting data. So how many times I'm going to get called out of my name, um, how many times I'm going to get called, you know, just all of these things, and for protection. Because if, you know, there's only so much I can do. So if someone, like, I'm doing my job, but they want to say, oh, such and such hit me or did whatever, no, 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 no. I'm recording from the moment when I leave my car, I'm recording to when I get back in my car. Um, and I do maintain, you know, like, patient privacy or whatever, if nothing occurred, nothing occurred. But it was interesting because um, the first, I, come to find out, even though they shut the pharmacy down, they still transferred me to another pharmacy. So technically I have two jobs and I still work for the pharmacy, even though I don't really care about the pharmacy. So the first day I worked, they locked me in the store. And when I, like I went to use the restroom and they shut everything down before making sure that I had left the store. First time it ever happened, sirens come on and police around the building, but I'm recording and so I felt, you know, I had already determined what I was going to do. Everything worked out fine. I didn't get thrown to the ground or anything, but I was recording. Then when I went to the hospital, I got caught out of my name a bunch of times. The girl, not, excuse me, she's not a girl because she's like 90. You know, everything was fine. But the next thing you know, I'm all kinds of Vs and all this other kind of stuff. She did not call me a nigger yet or this particular time, but I'm sure that that's coming. But then even said that I, like, hit her or whatever. No one carried it because she is dealing with dementia and Alzheimer's, but I was ready. And that's the point that I'm trying to make, be ready. Um, um, I don't want to take up too much time, but I did want to highlight 
um, the benefit of having a uniform. I wear scrubs in both of my jobs, but I also have a school uniform. Like, there is a very regimented way that I dress, and that's helpful financially, helpful in terms of time, and helpful in controlling the image that I portray, which I calculate. That is a very calculated image that I portray. Silent. I don't have anything to say. I'm always asking questions. I'm about my work. I'm not about nonsense, and I'm not really friendly. But I am good at what I do, and I make sure that that is, you know, in all of my work environments. Um, and, yeah, I think that will – oh, and then I think I shared with you all some time ago that I struggle with time. I commute everywhere, and um, I'm typically I'm generally late, even though I try very hard to be on time. But that was something that I had committed to working on because Mr. Mr. Fuller stresses it. So, I, you know, I respect him, and I said, okay, well, let me get it together. And I'm getting it together, and it does work. Um, I'm up at 4 o'clock, which is why I'm trying to hurry up and get, say all this so I can get off the call. But I'm up at 4 because I still go to the gym. But then it makes sure what that does is it guarantees that I'm wherever I need to be, anywhere from 30 minutes to even an hour before I'm even supposed to be there. Um, I do have some early mornings where it's like I'm getting there kind of like with 20 minutes, you know, but it's working and it's helpful and it does kind of renegotiate the, it, it maintains the image that I'm portraying, who I say I am, and it also kind of renegotiates the space to where you're not looking at me as the late black girl, which, you know, not to say that that means much, but in some ways that it does, like it, it does, you know, they've placed that kind of importance on that thing. So um, with that... Oh, and just, there's some videos on YouTube. I don't know how, oh, I want it to be early and on time. And um, there's enough evidence to suggest that even if you don't have to be up that early, if you wake up very early, it allows you to maximize your most effective brain power time. I'm not a morning person. Um, I'm not friendly during the day, and I'm really not friendly in the morning. But by waking up early, you can get more done. So if there are goals that you want to reach, that maybe you're not reaching, maybe you're late to work, maybe you want to go to the gym, meditate, whatever, whatever, maybe waking up at like 5.30 could help you do that. So far it's working for me. Um, maybe it'll work for you. I thank you all for listening. Radiant Emmy, instead of a truant nigra, you are just a nigra. Uh, I am all about the uniform. Love it. Uniform. And <clears throat> when I say uniform, I don't mean like, you know, whatever the school says, oh, you got to wear this. So wherever you happen to be, you got to wear this. Uh, but in terms of you set, this is my uniform. These are the clothes that I wear for work where I'm not trying to look as cute as possible. I'm not trying to show off my abs or anything else. Uh, this is what I wear for an environment of terrorism so that I can survive. That is, I'm all about the uniform. Uh, before I moved, I was just going to ask really quickly. You said you record from the time you arrive in the morning and exit your vehicle to the time the day concludes and you hop back in the vehicle. How do you record or how do you organize all of those recordings? You muted your line. Oh, can you hear me? Yes. Yes. Okay. Um, well, I haven't, okay, I record every lecture, and I record every lecture to take notes, but also professors say things, some of these things I've shared with you all. So all of the school stuff is recorded via lecture. If I'm not in lecture, I'm not talking, and I'm not allowing anyone to talk to me. 
time is precious and I like to be alone and I like it to be quiet. So, but when it comes to work, I work every other weekend. That's when I'm supposed to be there. So I it's just by the date. And so in order to maintain privacy, because that's something that is very important to me, um, if nothing has occurred, nothing has occurred. So there's no need for me to keep that one. Um, so, so far, it's just by date. I haven't really, um, I know I do keep them separate. So there's pharmacy and there's hospital. Um, but I know because of the way that my, the new hospital job is, it tracks who I provide a service for and what time I provide that service. So when I upload the recording, I don't have to include their name or anything like that. I just know I had a shift from 7 a.m. to 3 p.m. on this day, and this is that recording. And you know what I mean? And so I guess once I begin, I've only had to work at the hospital one weekend. This will be my second weekend coming up. And so I guess as I begin to accumulate them, then I will come up with something that's more streamlined. But right now, it's just by date. Grant, try to, I know other people are <clears throat> have their spiffy recorders like you, and so having uh, that audio organized can be uh, very helpful. Uh, Stacy in the UK, did you have commentary, ma'am? Um, yeah, hello to you, Gus, and to the rest of the callers. Apologies, I didn't hear a lot of the discussion, but I think I heard the tail end of um, Abby's comments. Um, and I guess it was about, again, you know, non-white people being, um, well, conflict and avoiding conflict with um, non-white people who are perhaps white identified or being uncodified in the workplace. I, I, I've been thinking about this because I did say that, you know, the new element to my code was on compassion and I was and I, I did find all the comments really useful and I've been going back over some of the older archives because um, I guess this one is a challenging one for most non-white people and I've, I, I think for me personally, um, when I first, what, well, why this is so challenging is because when I first started working, I, you know, I grew up in a household where my parents talked about racism, um, not necessarily, you know, in the way that perhaps we would be discussing it now, but I knew that this thing called racism existed and also things happening in the world around me made me very aware that racism existed, going to school, all those other things. I didn't necessarily think about racism in the way that... Um, Mr. Fuller describes it, or, you know, the, the statement about being um, to suspect all white people, but I knew that white people had the potential to be racist, racist. So when I first started working, that was already in my head. I didn't have any concept of how non-white people reacted to racism and the impact that it would have. And I, in my head, for all non-white people understood this thing called racism. And so we would automatically be on code with each other. I also just didn't understand the sort of day-to-day -day dynamics of politicking in the workplace that, you know, the sort of competition elements and all those kind of things. So when I first really encountered non-white people, 
doing things which I now, you know, in hindsight, fully understand. And I think, I, you know, the first time it really happened to me in a really, in a way that impacted me, I understood some of the dynamics and that it was, you know, a true-to-life plantation where I was working. But it was the most painful thing for me because I think I had a concept of white people being racist. I didn't understand. I thought all black people got this thing called racism, so we would be supporting each other. And that was the hardest thing for me to get to grips with. And so it still bothers me now, um, not to the same degree, um, but even where I've gone through the grievances, the job that I worked for, and where non-white people have done things to mistreat me, and I've had to, you know, in a way there's an element of strategy involved in that, but actually, you know, I had to because of what they were doing. That upset me personally more than, not not that, you know, I held them to account, but it was the most difficult thing for me to have to even be confronting non-white people in this way because it doesn't sit right with me. So I think for me personally, it's that concept of understanding how non-white people react and so even for example where the non-white female who manages the little race soldier who lied about me shouting at him um even though she did a couple of things along the way the irony of it was i saw her making some mistakes that i had made in the current team that i'm in in just being confident in her role. And I was going to speak to her because I was so concerned. This is before anything happened. And I, I knew she was very well identified. I just didn't know everything about her. And I thought, I'm going to speak to this person because I can see there's going to be a point where they do that switching on her, where they're accommodating her and pretending that they like her. And then there will be a point where it switches and it impacts on you. So difficult because as we all know, you know, if you're not, you're not expecting it, you're not expecting it. And somebody's told me, don't say anything to this person because she's very, very, very white identified. And then lo and behold, the situation played out as it did. Um, and so, you know, I was just very careful about, um, and I'm sorry, I was glad that I didn't. So I just, you know, I don't, I'm, I'm saying all of this because I hope it's helpful to other people um, or, you know, just explaining the dynamics of this. And I think for me, why it was so challenging and, you know, it's easy for me to deal with now, but, um, uh, you know, you know, when you're confronted with it on a day to day and it's, it's a real, very personal in your face attack and it's a, a you know, a series of things going on, then, it, you know, it does, it is challenging. Um, but I think I'm getting better, but I've got, still got a long way to go. I mean, I certainly don't indulge in conflict. I avoid conflict like the plague, but it's just for me how personally I feel about it. So it's, for me, it's not about attacking other non-white people, but it's just in my head getting to grips and really understanding that this is the psychology of how racism is um, strategized and then how it impacts on all the non-white people. And I think it's just about us all getting to grips with that. Um, and I'm, I'm conscious I've been Not speaking. Like brother hell. Sorry, was that? Just sound, being silly, sound okay. clip, sorry. Okay. <laughs> All right, I didn't know. Um, and then um, I'll, um, 
I'll come back if there's time. But yeah, just in terms of my overall code, I think I am getting better. I think I'm at 85%. Um, um, you know, overall in terms of progress. So I am pleased. And I'm very pleased with the fact that I've not quite mastered the hmm, but you know, I've I've very I've, I've neutralized my responses so that you know when well, some suspected and some confirmed racists want to engage me in conversations where they're just trying, why I call it the entrapment, where they're being very, very friendly and they're criticizing people, whether they are um, white or non-white, which I don't really think they're criticizing white people. I just think they try to gauge your views. Um, I just give some very, very neutral responses and I'm being very, very professional. And so you know, um, whereas people are trying to, um, I'm sure, get negative responses out of me that they can use against me. I'm just being very focused on the task, the objective of the goal. And so therefore, you know, um, in the back of my head, I think a lot of what Mr. Ed Williams says, so just focusing on the solution and, and what we're trying to do and how everybody has to feed into that process and, you know, um, acknowledging people's contributions and you know being very neutral in my responses so that nobody as far as I can manage um, has anything to take back and say that I was being you know um, inconsiderate against other colleagues whether they are white or non-white and I'm in my line there I guess. Stacy in the UK make sure we get our obligatory timestamp 3:27 a.m. Friday morning chiming in to comment on workplace racism live from the UK Stacy's commitment to replacing white supremacy with justice immediately uh, she's been participating for a long time and my sound clip again black brother black brother hell Always love getting that one in clearly. Uh, I did want to uh, comment since we had the detour for the cows t-shirt and Emmy did mention getting up early, being at being on time and early for work and being, you know, maybe 10, 15 minutes, 20 minutes being early and being in a routine of being early. I think is spectacular. I think some of our other listeners have applied that to their workplace code and it has worked and whites have noticed like, wow, this nigra is here early all the time. Like I've had folks say that, um, and you might be able to get more done getting up early. Uh, my early AM yoga, uh, I will be getting up tomorrow for the six fifteen yoga class. Uh, I got up this week for, I believe it was Tuesday for the 7 AM yoga class. I had on my cows t-shirt and a black male, uh, he was in a truck. He was sitting up relatively high. He was looking down on me as I was walking uh, from the passenger side. And uh, he yelled out from the window. He said, hey, brother, I love your shirt. Uh, and this is at like, I don't know, six something before 7 a.m., very, very uh, early in the morning. And I yelled back at him, don't call me brother. Um, no, I'm kidding. Well, half uh, kidding. But as I was walking, that it was quite a few people uh, yelled at me that morning which was strange because it was very early one and just all of it but early morning wearing the shirt got lots of rave reviews and then did yoga other folks that we've not heard from at all if you have uh, commentary proceed 
Greetings, caller in Florida. Thank you very much, sir. Greetings to Augusta hosts, the listeners and callers. Um, and I, that made me think about something, speaking of workplace racism. Because I think I shared this maybe a few years ago, but there, there, there was this black male who used to always, it was almost like it was codified. He would walk around the courthouse calling every black person brother. I mean, like in front of whites, in front of white deputies, and a white person asked the question, um, how come you, you didn't call me brother? And, you know, I, I thought about that. Uh, but to, to start on my observations, if I sent you uh, a picture of the, the uh, well, I guess, war number one, the, the, uh, the human resources white woman, uh, she, she's been sending out emails about doing yoga on Wednesdays. So they, they do yoga classes <laughs> at the, uh, at like the downstairs area. So she participates in yoga. I, I know you mentioned yoga on the program, so I wanted to mention that too. Um, but on a, on a more serious uh, note about the racism, uh, my mom got a call from a former black female employee and she was asking about contacting the warden about uh, getting a position back because in the other county where she was working, she wasn't able to get paid well enough, I guess. And the female, the white woman in the felony department, she retired. So this person knew all about the department and she should be able to fit in just fine. But apparently for months and I think for at least a year she hadn't even she hasn't even been calling her back. She would always say, Well, uh, we'll we'll let you know when things open and then whenever something is open and she applies, she doesn't get a call back. And they've been she's been hiring white women and black females. And that could be done as a way to cover up or have some kind of victim referencing for when she is practicing racism. You got some uh, black people that she can um, make an example of to say that she's not a racist. So, and I, I wanted to go on to my next example of uh, the, the, another black female I speak to about workplace racism. She stated that a while back, her and three other black females and I believe all of these females are potentially on that list of uh, what the the non-black female was mentioning that the black male mentioned about underperforming people, whatever that may mean. And they used to go out to lunch together and they would be in a break room together for a couple of months. So she said all of a sudden they broke that up by rescheduling the lunches for two of the four black ladies that were going to have lunch at the same time. So I, you know, I wanted to share that one as well, because that's, that was very strategic because she said, in her opinion, 
that they were starting to, I guess, become afraid of them, uh, I guess, quote-unquote, being together and um, end up in harmony and not being in conflict. And uh, they don't seem to be that well in their togetherness in the present day. So uh, she gave me some history on that. And my, my next one is with the racial classifications. There was a uh, uh, another couple that came in. Um, they had asked about the racial classification list. And the black female was saying, well, you know, well, what are you? And he says, well, I'm a little bit of Native American, and I got some black, and I got some white. And now, see, this is the, the male. Now, I guess he would, I guess I would say he would uh, be what they call mixed or whatever that means, or um, racially ambiguous or whatnot. Uh, he was with a, a white woman, so that's a, a cowbell. So the, the white woman is dominating the conversation, and uh, she's got a finger on the mouse, and she's looking at the, the list of classifications. She says, well, you know, we always, we always click others. She, now, she said something for her and him, but this is his, her application. And she says, we always click other. Now, she clicked white, but in, in order for speaking for him, she says, we always click other. Is other on here? But other wasn't on there. So I think he ended up clicking refused, the refused option for race. Um, and uh, there was a, a comment that was made uh, by a white woman who had her degree posted on her wall. Um, I had said, is this what your name was? Like, this doesn't seem like the way your name is now. And she had like a four-part name on her degree because I was bringing her envelope. And uh, she says, yeah, well, you know, I've been, uh, I've been married about four or five times and she said something else, and uh, she asked me uh, what was my last name, pretty much implying that she's been with me and a whole bunch of other people in a sexual way. At least that's what I took from it. So she bust out laughing after she said that. And now this is the, this is the same one who, who's been getting in trouble and uh, are forced to um, attend these supervisor seminars. So she still hasn't been dealt with yet, ultimately. Uh, but in my last one, I wanted to share, uh, this was a real venomous, uh, sexually charged racist joke that a customer had uh, stated to me over the phone. Uh, he, he said, um, and it was very like abrupt. Uh, he said, "What do you, what do you call a black woman with braces?" He said that, and then I asked him, "What, what is it that you said again?" And he said, uh, "What do you call a black woman with braces?" So I, I asked him. I said, "Well, what, what is it? What, what's the answer?" Because I wanted to write this down, and he said, uh, "Black and Decker Pecker Wrecker." Okay, 
And I said, uh, I said, why well, I never even heard anything like that. So, and it, I didn't see now. I don't think that it caught me off guard, uh, you know, metaphorically, or I was somewhat alert for that. And um, I just asked him, cause was there anything else that he needed help with? Because he needed a court date. And uh, he said, no, everything was just fine. And um, he said, I, I guess I'll get going. And he was kind of like giggling over the phone. I don't know if he could detect that I was a black person or what. I don't know. But he was, uh, he shared that uh, racist joke over the phone. So I'm going to try and ask my supervisor, what is uh, someone supposed to do when a customer shares a racist joke? And uh, that's all that I have right now. So allow me to share. Oh, racist joke. I love it. The report from NPR, they said that white people spend as much, they lie, so it's probably more, but at least as much time looking for jokes like that as they spend looking for the Los Angeles Lakers, The Economist, anything else you can think of. Black and Decker, Pecker Wrecker. Yes. Love it. The code. Write it down. Black, Decker, Pecker. Mm-hmm. Did you need help with anything else, sir? Neutral tone. Didn't crack a smile. Outstanding. That is the goal. I cannot wait to hear the response. What is According to official policy, what should we do? Black and Decker, Pecker, Wrecker, what should our response be? Cannot wait to hear. Uh, Possessive adjectives. I've talked about that on the program uh, many times. You know, it's not uh, your office. It's not your desk. It's not your computer. Never thought to adding to the list, list. It is not your lunch break. They can take that away from you as well, or they can move the time. Extraordinary, uh, extraordinarily uh, strategic and vindictive. Uh, and that pattern, I think Red in Vegas had the same thing. Black people getting along, harmonious, great old time, being constructive. We do our little lunch break together. They see that. Oh, no, get these niggers, you know, broken up. We'll, we'll have them take lunch at different times. They love that sort of thing. They do not want to see their niggers uh, cavorting and getting along in a constructive manner. We want them isolated. It makes it easier for us to abuse. They'll have each other to, you know, lean on and support one another. Um, the racial classification, that's the courthouse. I love it that they have the racial classifications because I think that's such an important aspect of how uh, all of this, this system uh, operates. So to see that and the just that alone, we check other decision has been white woman doing the choosing said that so many times the grand sister pam the great so many times uh is there anybody that we missed completely much obliged uh caller in florida that is the job we were talking about before i get to other uh he sent the photo of the race soldier who does the yoga class at the courthouse Lots of whites, they realize yoga is great, wonderful for your body and everything else. Uh, we should take, you know, maybe a little time once a week, once a month 
and do a little yoga on the job. That is a job that if you have a uh, yoga certification like Gus T, that is a job. My uh, black female pal, she was saying that that's the job that she wants here in Seattle. That's uh, people have that job where you teach like two yoga classes to a group like that in a workplace setting. You do that like twice a month and that's like a $5,000 contract for two and a half hours of work. Anywho, uh, any folks that we've missed uh, completely have commentary? Do we nab everybody? Making sure I didn't miss that. Oops. Uh, uh, people that we have missed completely that have a hand up. May I be heard? Yes, sir. Greetings, guests, callers, and listeners. Um, I have a, a strange scenario. I, uh, I work at a place called Miller Industry. <clears throat> Excuse me. I work at a place called Miller Industry. We build record trucks. And where I work at, I've been working there for about two years in this particular department. Uh, it's one older gentleman who's been there for like 20-some-odd years. And he gets abused, and I'm not sure if he does know this is happening. Uh, the reason I say that is because the other day, he normally goes around and he, he yells loud. Uh, he does no work whatsoever because he hurt himself and he sued the company. So they kind of just got him on doing nothing. And, uh, and he just, he's just there. So he goes around, he makes loud noises. Uh, he puts on a show and when he gets quiet, the, uh, the suspects that we work with, they start calling his name because he's not making no noise and right on cue, he starts it right on up. Now I've asked him about this several times. It has gotten to the point to where we really don't even speak anymore because I asked him why he acts in that manner. Uh, that's, that's the first part of the uh, workplace racism is me trying to communicate with him. He gets mad at me for asking him questions on that particular uh, stance that he takes with the acting out in front of all of these uh, suspects. Uh, the second part well, is... Well, let's do one at a time. Let's do one at a time because I am okay. a victim and I will forget. So the first one, because uh, I can give you a thought on that really quick, uh, if uh, or at least for me, the anti-blackness is so substantial. I'm glad to hear that no one was called a coon in this exchange. Uh, but if it's it's sounding like it's going towards conflict, if he didn't ask for your help, uh, he didn't ask for uh, an inquiry, I would leave it alone. Um, that that would be my because it seems like this is going towards conflict between uh, the two of you and you definitely uh, don't want that. So, yeah, I would just uh, would leave it alone. I mean. You got a lot of victims. Uh, there's a lot of that that happens in the workplace. Mr. Fuller encourages us to not be the entertainment. You can just focus on yourself and make sure that you are not engaging in that behavior. And you can just do some planned ignoring. But I would just let that go if it's, you know, you already said it's going towards conflict. Does that make sense? Yes, sir, it does. Uh, uh, no, no conflict is 
it's just where you can, you know, you can tell where someone's been agitated. And I was just, I wanted to uh, hear your thoughts on that particular uh, subject. Uh, the next one is, is that when I first got to this particular area, I used to get questioned a lot. And my response is always to question back. Uh, simple questions, especially with the political, uh, the political, uh, I can't even think of what I would like to uh, say right now. But with everything that's going on in the political realm, you know, uh, these suspects will have questions. What do I think and what have you? So I will ask them questions. It's gotten to the point to where they don't want to talk to me about anything at all. So I, I am grateful of that. So most of the time I work by myself. Uh, we have a group, but they practice on me by not doing the work that they need. I just take care of it because I feel better doing it on my own anyway, whether I'm on the phone with my uh, Bluetooth headsets or what have you. So I feel good about that. <clears throat> but today, in particular, I've never seen my suspected racist supervisor get on to any of the other suspects. Today, he chewed out this young suspect because he wasn't doing enough work. Now, the reason I bring that up, because it wasn't directed at me in any form or fashion, but this was a break in character out of two years of uh, other suspects doing the same thing. And it, it, it put me on alert with the attitude change uh, of the other suspects around me. I'm not sure because we just got a su another supervisor that's over my supervisor, uh, a non-black non-white uh, female uh, she's Mexican and like all, all of them hate her for whatever reason other than her not being white and I seen her talking to him and I'm wondering if her coming down on him is making is making him uneasy you know meaning he can't just come through like he normally does so I'm wondering is that something that that could potentially fall on me. And with that, I mute myself. Thank you. How interesting. Uh, I will allow the listeners, if you all want to respond to the second uh, vignette that he presented and or the first vignette uh, about how he dealt with this victim uh, who, I don't know, was entertaining suspected racists, uh, how he dealt with that uh, situation. Any folks want to respond to either of those two situations, or the second one primarily? Can I be heard? Yes, sir. Retired firefighter. I would say with the uh, first instance with the, uh, the uh, other non-white black male that uh, he reported that was yelling. Uh, I also would leave that alone. Uh, uh, he said he expressed it one time and it seems like uh, uh, the, uh, he didn't respond. Uh, I, would, I would leave that alone because it's only going to uh, breed uh, uh, conflict and the races enjoy the idea of two non-white people 
uh, fighting so uh, they can get rid of both of you. Uh, and that possibly can get rid of both of you in that case. Uh, so I would not join in on, on that at all. Uh, it, it is a argument to whether or not uh, one even make the attempt in the first place. Uh, but uh, nevertheless, cause we we discussed that on the program uh, many times, you know, as far as uh, something similar to that. And uh, that's the one I will comment on. Thank you. Much obliged. Any any thoughts on the second vignette? While they're thinking, I'll make sure that I understand it correctly. Uh, you you were started off. You said that uh, on the job they would ask a lot of questions about things that are happening, and you practicing counter racist jujitsu would turn it around and ask them questions. Uh, I guess you were doing your job so well that they just left you alone, which is exactly what you know we wanted to be. It did sound like they were practicing racism by not doing some of their duties, and you said you were okay with that because you just got to work by yourself unmolested, and you know would just do whatever the uh, extra work. Uh, and then you said that you were concerned that I think it was some portion of one of the the supervisor. I think it was a so-called Mexican who is in charge, female, and she's there. They don't like her for racism, white supremacy. Uh, and there was a concern about whether something not being done is going to be blamed on you. What was what were the details again? Well, everything was correct except for not being not that it will be blamed on me. It's just the fact that this other gentleman that I was speaking of, like I said, he he has uh he has had he has won, excuse me, two lawsuits against the company. Mm-hmm. So he's just there. I don't see him unless he fires himself, I don't see him uh moving on. And he's been there for quite some time under these particular circumstances. What I mean is by something coming down on me is the fact that nothing else could be done as far as all of them being buddies. You know, they, they pushed them around, uh, and, and y'all have talked about this on the show many of times to where they just get relocated, kind of like how the, uh, how the slave catchers get done when they do something on the job. They just move them around to a different area. But with me being the only other black person there, like I don't, I don't have no problems out of any of them because I have already, uh, I, I tend to speak my mind, and normally I try to have uh, measures with me, whether it be by phone or or computer, to where I could prove whatever I was saying. And then, like you stated, I give my uh, I give my questions back, and they never can be answered, so they don't bother me what so so much. But I'm I'm wondering with the uh, intensity of this supervisor on supervisor conflict, will that be a reason to start coming down on me with me being the lowest on the totem pole? Oh well, my default uh, really with any of the situations. Um... You know, braces generally do not need a reason to mistreat niggers. Um, it's just, I mean, that's just the reality. He just said, the, I call in for it. He just said the guy called in. Uh, oh, I should have wrote it down. The uh, Black and Decker Pecker 
wrecker. He just called into the courthouse for context. He wasn't just messing around on a Friday night. He was calling in, presumably, for something official. You don't call the courthouse just to tell racist jokes, or do you? But that is what it means to be white. So they don't need a reason to mistreat you. Now, it might be that they have some additional frustration because, you know, they have the one nigger who's there who's got this lawsuit and then the so-called Mexican, quote unquote, non-white person. They're upset about that. So, I mean, maybe. But again, they could mistreat you. They could not even be there. It could be all whites and it would still be the same thing. So, you know, I would just I would continue just uh, being codified uh, what you said about asking questions uh, and knowing policy and procedure and making notes. Uh, I would I don't know what you uh, meant exactly by speaking your mind, but I would just be very codified and ask more questions than making statements uh, about things on the job so that it's uh, now there are two niggers uh, on the job that cannot be fired, one who is codified and one who is not. But cannot be fired either way. <laughs> That's the way I would be trying to function so that I'm codified, so that I'm left alone. I can do my work, get all my promotions and be there as long as you, you know, deem it constructive or valuable to be there, if that makes sense. Can I be heard? Uh, codified software developer. Um, I just wanted to respond very quickly about the two supervisors. I I assume they were white. I didn't hear all the commentary. Um, one so-called Mexican. One is so-called Mexican. Oh, one so-called Mexican. Okay. All right. Thank you very much. But frequently that happens where you'll have two more powerful people uh, for beefing, I guess, for lack of a better term, and they will try to bring in a black person. I would, like Gus says, I would just remain codified, not get involved. I mean, i I've, I've had that happen several times uh, where they've reported things to me and even told me to say things to the other person, which I did not do. So just stay out of it as much as possible, and hopefully they'll leave you out of it. I'll mute my line. Much obliged. Uh, any folks have suggestions uh, for person who just dialed in or other folks? This is our oh last two minutes. Two-minute warning, two-minute warning. Any other folks have commentary they wanted to get in last two minutes? Gosh. Stacy in the UK, almost 4 a.m. Friday morning. Yeah, I was just going to say, just in terms of the conflict between the managers, um, just the general one, just to agree with the codified software developer, I would leave them to it. No matter, even if they're trying to get you involved, I would be just very neutral, not least because organisations change, so people move around in roles. And I've made this mistake my, myself, not because I was trying to get involved in conflict, but because there's sometimes you can just get drawn into things even um, when you, you're not trying to. Um, but dynamics shift in organisations, so you don't know when that, other person will become your boss or become an even more powerful person in the organization. I just leave the conflict between the two people and just stay um, as neutral as possible. Malangas. Logical. Uh, final comment. Anybody need to get in? Can I be heard? Can I? Imhan DC. Yes, sir. Um, uh, it's at the end, but I I had another kind of quick, real quick question. So I um, or maybe I'll, I'll save that for for next time. Um, yes, you can just go to the next person. 
can I, can I be heard, Gus? Yes, sir. Uh, just just to uh, make clear, uh, I'm not getting into any conflict with the uh, with the black male nor any other supervisors. I just know that when something happens, we are always the first to be attacked. So that's it has nothing to do with no relationship with one supervisor versus the other. It's just a conflict between them two mm-hmm. and just waiting to see who will receive uh who will receive the uh, the punishment, whether it's a, a firing or a demotion or what have you. And that that's what my question was. It's it's no sides to be taken, for me at least, but just knowing that with me, the the one black older gentleman being secure with the uh, lawsuits and what have you, and me just being there. That That's why I asked the question. Thank you. Yes, sir. That's how I understood it. I, I'll just speak for myself. That's how I understood it. That was why in my response I said uh, make it so that they have two niggers who cannot be fired. One who is codified, that would be you, and one who is not. That's the person who has the lawsuit. And uh, meaning you don't want to be collateral damage. Like you, uh, I did, as I understood it, uh, you were not, you know, siding with the so called Mexican uh, supervisor or obviously the white supervisor. Uh, and, you know, yeah, that's the way that I understood it. Uh, but seeing as they're upset and then you have the black person who's filing a lawsuit that we have all this uh, anger, we can take it out on you. We can fire you or, you know, demote you or what have you. And that's why I said you just want to continue to be codified uh, so that I know the handbook. I know the policy and procedure, what the expectations are. I'm asking questions. I'm just I'm on my counter racist grind. Normal day for me, uh, continuing to do what I do. And I'm especially alert uh, because I'm expecting that they might direct, you know, things at me, which would be the case anyway. Uh, with that, did that did that make sense, sir? Yes, sir, it did. Thank you. Yes, sir. Uh, with that, we will call it a broadcast. Uh, we will be here tomorrow. Session number two, Black Love is a Revolutionary Act. The late, the great Pamela Evans Harris. Uh, we are picking up on chapter nine for the audio segment. It'll be regular time, 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific. Uh, if you did not get to hear the first audio segment or participate or, you know, whatever, uh, it is in the archives. It's not at iTunes. Uh, there's a technical issue that has prevented the last couple programs from being uploaded there. But it is in the Black Talk Radio Network archives. I think some people checked and it was was not there when they looked, but should be there, confirmed, should be there and working. Uh, it's also at SoundCloud. Uh, also, I think it's at YouTube at this point on Mr. Fox's channel. So you should have a variety of outlets to uh, access the archives and the book study specifically. But that's tomorrow, 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific. Compensatory call-in Saturday, this coming Saturday, 9 p.m. Eastern, 6 p.m. Pacific. Uh, If you have comments, questions, drop an email, untiljustice at gmail.com. Untiljustice at gmail.com. Much obliged for everyone tuning in. I hope it was worthy of your time and energy. I will certainly emphasize sobriety would be best. Uh, it's pretty much, well, here it's autumn, uh, but 
elsewhere as summer uh, winds down. Uh, lots of excuses will be given uh, for alcohol consumption over the next four or five months. They do that anyway, but especially over the next four or five months, sobriety would be best under conditions of white terrorism, especially anything workplace related. We would be, we would be best to protect our health, brain computers, uh, to leave all of white's toxins alone. In addition to being sober, let's be buckled up every time we are in a vehicle, driver or passenger. Let's do all that we can to minimize contact with race soldiers, badge or no. That said, creator, we ask that you help us remain patient with other black people, victims of white supremacy. We ask that you help us remain patient with ourselves. Remind us to demonstrate the highest levels of black self-respect at all times, in all places, each and every time we are in contact with another black person. It has been time. Replace white supremacy with justice immediately. Black and Decker, Pecker Wrecker. Cow signing up. Thanks all for tuning in. Nigga, you so brainwashed. I'm a victim, Your brother. Problem. You're a victim. Uh, I'm a up. victim of 400 years of conditioning. Shut up. The man has programmed my conditioning. Even my conditioning has been conditioned. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, lo. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.